Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, I love it, Mike Sealski. I love it. We are, let me do the math, 30 hours and 25 minutes away from kickoff of the Eagles 2023 season in New England. Can you palpably feel the excitement? I can, Glenn. It is the best week of the year next to the week between Christmas and New Year's. This might as well be Diet Christmas Week. Not only do we get the start of football, the kids go back to school. <laughs> it's just great. I the, the My only regret is that it is so freaking hot that it didn't feel like fall I this know. week. I know. Well, it's going to cool down. The rain last night apparently took away a lot of that. But, oh, I just... I love the theme music. I love all the stuff that accompanies the start of the football season and all the excitement. We got that game Thursday night. We'll talk about that one later as Andy Reid's defending champion Chiefs lose it. But let us open with this, and a lot of this relates to a fine column you have in the Inquirer today, or you can find it on Inquirer.com, which is the Eagles are poised on the precipice of greatness. They have stability in the front office. They got a smart young head coach. They got a terrific roster from top to bottom, including, I don't think anybody can argue, the best quarterback in the NFC, best young quarterback. So you you today kind of wrote about how, as they open tomorrow against the Patriots, an, an elite franchise over the last 20 years, um, Maybe it's time to change the perception of who's elite and who's not. Let me. I'm, I just want to hand it off to you. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to read your whole column. Well, Give it to you. look at it this way, Glenn. If I told you, heading into tomorrow's game, that the Eagles were going to play a team that over the last three years was 25 and 25, that hadn't won a playoff game in four years, that had a thoroughly mediocre quarterback, and that was projected by most people to finish probably second or third in its division. Mm-hmm. You'd say, oh, okay, well, the Eagles are going to roll all over that team. Uh, I would take my big indelible magic marker and put W. Exactly. But that team is the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And that team is the team that for 20 years, as you said, was basically America's team. It was the most respected team. It was the most hated team. It was the most attention-focused team. It had the best coach in Bill Belichick. It had the best quarterback in Tom Brady. And now I think you could make a, a case, a really strong case, that those roles have flipped, that the Eagles are closer to being that kind of team than not only the Patriots are, mm. but that just about any other team in the league is. I mean, Kansas City have got an argument. Kansas City's got the best quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Yep, They have 
and I know a lot of people in Philadelphia probably don't want to hear this, they have the best coach in the league in no, Andy Reid. first ballot. Nobody will argue anymore okay. that he's a first ballot Hall of Fame coach. Okay. I mean, that's, I'm yeah. always cognizant of like the residue of uh, yeah, 14 years Yeah, and there's still, there is that animosity from some people, but even if it's just begrudgingly, there is nobody in this town who will argue against Andy Reid being one of the the 10 best coach in the history of the NFL. He absolutely sure. is. Sure. And, and more than just the quality of Bad the Bad commercials, though. Not great. Um, Sorry. But that's okay. Not great. It's just not. Um, but more than just the quality of the Eagles team, it's that Jalen Hurts, as you said, is an ascending star. Mm-hmm. He's got endorsements by Nike and Hulu. Jason Kelsey is one of the people now affiliated with the NFL who the public knows and likes. He's a podcaster. He's got a movie documentary coming out on Amazon. This week, Tuesday, as a matter of fact. And by the way, just to, just to throw this in, He's a center. Yeah, He's exactly. an offense. It's like the least glamorous position you could play. Right. The Eagles are this feast of personalities and stories and quality football. And the Patriots used to be that, and now they're unsalted butter on white bread. <laughs> and it's just funny Whoa. how that flips. Yeah. And, and, you know, to kind of bring it back to what we're, I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today, if it weren't for the presence and reputation of Bill Belichick, I think most people would look at tomorrow's game and go, oh, okay, we're playing a nothing franchise who the Eagles should roll over. I think that is exactly correct. I think uh, I've listened all week, and I'm not just talking about callers, but hosts and other people uh, that I that I hear whose opinions I respect a lot are nervous about this game, in part because it's the opener, uh, in part because you're going on the road, it's the Patriots, Tom Brady, retirement day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as you say, Belichick. Um, and you and I will give our picks later, but uh, maybe a little bit of a spoiler. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, there are a lot of games on the schedule this year that I look at and say, ooh, that, that, that's a tough one to walk into. I don't think this is, this is one of them. No, I, I agree with you. So to your larger point, I think that we don't always realize how we are perceived by the rest of the world and by the rest of the country and the sports community because we are so insular, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you do, you, you speak to this point that I don't know if people are aware. We're a little bit of a parochial town. Just a tad. Okay. We care about our guys and nobody else. And so maybe we just look at the Eagles from our own perspective and not understand the league, mm-hmm. the, 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 the public, the league. Certainly the TV schedulers view the Eagles this year as the elite team. Maybe the Eagles, Kansas City. I know Dallas is always kind of in there as sure. like the team that's the national story. Do we like that? I think we love that in a way Philadelphia can only love it, which is to say this. one of it, I don't know if you'd call it a pet peeve of mine, but I'm always sort of annoyed a little bit whenever – a Philadelphia athlete or team is featured in some kind of national media story or magazine cover, and people around here go, wow, isn't this great? Like, it's a little bit, it feels a little bit to me of small townishness, that yeah. parochialism that you're yeah. talking about. It's, yeah. it's Sally Field at the Oscars. Oh, oh gosh, I was about to say. They, they, are, like, they like us. us. They <laughs> like us. And I... I think that people ought to take a step back sometimes and understand, as you just said, a Philadelphia athlete's or team's place in kind of the the stratosphere of their sport. The Eagles are an elite franchise. 
And people should take a step back and understand that based on the quality of the other franchises in the league. We can rip Howie Roseman all we want, and believe me, I've ripped him. Mm -hmm. We can rip Jeffrey Lurie all we want, and believe me, I've ripped him. But when you hold those guys up to what's going on with the Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars or Washington or any number of franchises around the NFL, you really get a better sense of where the Eagles stack up. And in that sense, Philadelphia's doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, very well said and very good column. And I think that we are on the precipice of what's going to be another terrific season. You never know how it's going to turn out. Injuries can ruin everything. There is always a surprise team every year, and there's always uh, on the way up, and then there's always the disappointing team on the way down, and it's the reason sports is so great because you don't know. You can't plot right. it out. Things are going to surprise you. So with no guarantees, I will say I think that the Eagles are going to be terrific this year, probably as good as last year. Again, asterisk depends on health, sure. et cetera, et cetera, but I think this team can be really good. I don't think they're going to win as many games as last year, 14-3 and three is an unbelievable record. It's a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. That whole part from, what, late October into December, I forget. There's like six weeks in a row where they just play what looked to be powerhouse after powerhouse. They're not going to win all those games. We're probably going to doubt them at some point. They, Oh, my God, they lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. Season's over. But I still – this is what I think. I think this year they're going to go 11 and 6, mm-hmm. maybe 12 and 5, but if I had to pick a number I'd say 11 and 6 and still get back to the Super Bowl and still be that good because I don't think anybody in their conference is better. Dallas is going to be good. Yes, they're going to be good. Uh we're going to talk to Ray Dinger in the 11 o'clock hour. One of the things that's interesting about Dallas is their starting lineup's pretty impressive. They got no no depth. no depth whatsoever, and I think they got a dunderhead as a coach. So <laughs> I do not believe in Dallas. San Francisco, I know, is kind of a hot team for people to pick. I'm not buying it. I am not buying it, and I, and I know their quarterback got hot last year until he got hit in the arm by Hassan Reddick. Not buying him. I agree with most of what you just said. I think the Eagles are every bit as good as they were last year. I think their record will not be as good as it was for all the reasons you cited. It's very difficult to go 14-3. and three. Their schedule is more difficult. All, all the things you said. I'm a little more... I'm higher on San Francisco, I think, than you are. Only because if you look at their up-and-down roster and the talent on it, it's really, really good. They are a really good team. And the way they've built that team and the way that Kyle Shanahan coaches it, you don't need Brock Purdy to be Jason, uh, Jalen Hurts. Excuse mm. me. You just need him to not mess up. And I'm a little more believing that that's probably how it's going to go down this year. Okay. I picked I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm, I love Joe Burrow. I think the same sort of thing is going to happen to the Kansas City Chiefs that will happen to the Eagles, which is it's really hard to get back. I Okay. So I think the Eagles should get back again, you know. Yeah. I think predictions in September are almost a waste of time. They because are. They are. Tell me who's going to be healthy at the end of the year. We always have two or three teams that look to be great, and it's like, oh, my God, they lost their quarterback, they lost half their offensive line, they're not going to do it. So as we're doing this, I'll say predictions are a waste you of time. You know what, though, Glenn, as someone who traffics in content and what can I write about this week, <laughs> the Eagles have nobody on their injury list. I know. There were half a dozen storylines that go into any NFL game, week one to week 17, about who's available to play. But 
There was none of that this week because everybody is healthy for the Eagles. Yeah, we got our 11.45 Cooper Doctor feature. It's like, <laughs> mm, one guy's got the flu. Yeah, what, right. What, what do we know? Uh, Doc, Jalen Hurts has a stuffed nose. What do yeah. you prescribe? One of the things that you and I are going to do today, and we certainly invite people to join us at 215-592-9494, is go over a lot of specific questions I'll pose to you. Uh, who's the guy in the in the starting lineup you think is going to make a big step up? What's the position that you're most worried about? And all nature of things, we'll go through that through the day. And, again, we would love you to be part of that. Dennis in Springfield is calling in, and I think Dennis does not agree with our initial supposition. Hello, okay. Dennis. Good well, morning. Yeah, good morning, gang. Well, I, I'm, I'm the guy you're talking about. I, I know this team is elite. I know the franchise is elite. I know how stacked they are. It, and and I've been waiting for a team like this my entire watching Eagle career, and it's, and it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm home a lot. I'm retired, so I'm home a lot. And I don't watch all these shows morning, noon, and night, but I watch them enough. And they're an afterthought. They are an absolute afterthought when it comes to all these shows. Uh, the, the, the schedule, to me, is an insult. I don't know. Well, hold on. Let's, defense... let's take it one at a time here. Okay. When you say they're an afterthought, that would yes. suggest that these analysts that you're watching and talking head shows and all that are are pumping up other teams. Who are they pumping up? Well, they're pumping up the Jets. They're pumping up the Cowboys. Uh, they're pumping up the Steelers. They're pumping mm. up the Lions. Mm. And they're, not the Eagles. The, okay. Well, right. Their, their Eagle talk is like and and another team. Okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? See, uh, here's what I think, and it kind of relates to what Mike said, which is this. The Eagles are now expected to be that good. So those teams you're talking about, the Lions, the Jets, the Steelers, were not particularly good last year. So it is the, hey, what's new that we can talk about? Whereas the Eagles, it's like they're expected to be good. Does that work for you, Mike? It absolutely works for me. There's an element to mystery, of mystery to those other teams that is not there with the Eagles. Everybody know, saw what that team did last season. Everybody knows who Jalen Hurts is now. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played a down for the Jets that matters. Right, it's an intriguing story. One of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league goes to New York for a team that hasn't won in 50 years. Right, the Lions are supposed to be good, but the Lions are never good. Right. So that's interesting. Are they really going to shake off the these years of ineptitude and terribleness? Those well, are good narratives to talk about, Dennis, whereas... Saying, oh, the Eagles are going to be awesome again is not something that moves the needle on, on sports talk shows. And, uh, and, and I'll buy that a little bit, but, but I also don't – I mean, the, the Niners, I mean, they're, they're another team that gets, gets a, lot of, yeah. a lot of play. Uh, it, it just – I don't know. Just, All right, well, listen, we, I don't agree with your supposition, but I will say this. We know they're going to be good, right? Right. All right, then we're good. Yeah. We're good. And, again, the Niners have an interesting situation at quarterback. Not only because they have Brock Purdy, who was the last guy taken in in the draft, but because they traded up to take a guy with the number three overall pick and just cast him aside. So those sorts of dynamics feed the reasons that uh, a sports discussion show on Fox or ESPN is going to deal with those teams in a way that they're not going to deal with the Eagles. As Glenn said... People expect the Eagles to be good. There's nothing really interesting beyond that to say. Yeah, but it's so funny. We're so used to that we get no respect mm-hmm. that when we do get respect, and I think now they, we, the town, the team, they do get respect, 
I think Dennis. <laughs> We're just, not getting not enough. It. <laughs> well, it, it, we're, it's, we're being taken. We, they, I'm not we. Yeah. They are being taken gra- taken for granted as a team that's going to be really good. All right. Question. First question of the day for you. Okay. Tell me somebody really, no, we haven't talked about during this offseason who you think is going to have a very productive year. Okay. And don't steal my guy. All right. I hope I didn't because we did not consult on this. We did not. We start, started the show. My guy is. A defensive tackle, uh, and my guy is Milton Williams. Wow, okay. For this reason, nothing against Fletcher Cox, who had a terrific season last year, but at some point, <laughs> at some point, there's got to be a bit of a transition from Fletch and BG as mainstays along the defensive line to younger players. And, yeah, Jordan Davis is going to be part of that. Yeah, Jalen Carter is going to be part of that. But Milton Williams has been pretty productive and pretty solid whenever he's gotten a chance to play. And I do think that this year you're probably going to see him work into the rotation more often as Fletch just gets a little bit older and needs a few more plays off. And, you know, who knows how much longer he's going to be at this. We've been saying this about him, about Brandon Graham, you know, to a degree about Jason Kelsey, I think Milton Williams is going to open some people's eyes this year. I, I think that's a fine answer. I think that's the second best answer we're going to have right now. Okay. It's Dallas Goddard, who we never talk about and kind of okay. take for granted. Uh, and because there are so many great offensive weapons, there are two terrific receivers on this team and the best quarterback in the NFC, and they made all these changes with the running backs who were intrigued with that. It's like, oh, yeah, the tight end. You know what? He missed five games last year for injury. Had he not, he probably would have had 1,000 yards as well. He's in a conference that's got some other really good tight ends. Oh, yeah. Kittle, Hawkinson, so maybe he doesn't get enough attention. I think Dallas Goddard is, is if healthy, primed to join those other uh, Eagle receivers as having a terrific season. Actually, the, somebody's calling about Goddard. Well, we'll get him on there in a second. There you go. The, the only reason, Glenn, honestly, I didn't mention him is because every time Nick Sirianni speaks about the nexus of the Eagles' offense yeah. and what they're trying to do, yeah. he always says, we're trying to get the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Yeah. He always mentions Goddard in but that threesome. He may, but I think we kind of sleep on it a little bit, and I think Goddard's going to have a big year. So Nikki apparently, is calling about Dallas Goddard. Nikki, I hope I didn't use up all your material there. Now, Glenn, Glenn, long time. I haven't talked to you in years. Yeah, buddy. Uh, nice to hear from you. Um, I think Goddard will definitely have the big year because of the two great wide receivers we have. I think that middle is going to be wide open, mm-hmm. and I think that he's going to probably, I don't know, maybe lead all tight ends with catches this year. That's my hope. Okay. that That is my hope. Uh, but I... When you had said about, Mike, you said about about being respected, the Eagles are respected now. Mm-hmm. When it goes back to the old line in the movie, what would you rather be, respected or feared? And <laughs> I think it's liked I, or feared, but that's Loved okay. or feared, Loved yes. or feared, yes. Yeah, loved yeah, yeah. or feared. That's it. I, I, Bronx Tech. Yep. Yeah, I, I like to be feared. I want that Buddy Ryan defense, and I hope this – defensive coordinator of ours can give it to us. I want that Buddy Ryan defense where we are feared. Here's we the here's the thing, Nikki. It's it's harder to build that kind of defense the way the sport is played nowadays, the rules changes, uh, the way that offenses call plays and set things up. I understand where you're coming from, and I do think 
that Sean Desai is going to be much more aggressive in his calls and the way uh, he sets the defense up. Uh, you know, I keep then, coming back come on, to this. Say then who? Give me the name. Oh, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about him later. We'll, yeah. We will get to him later. I didn't. I didn't want to <laughs> take the punch out of what we right, were going to say gotcha. about Jonathan Gannon. But the point being, you know, Nikki, I, I would be surprised if you're going to see, for instance, Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage at, at any point this season. Not that he did it an awful lot last year, but any snap in which Hassan Reddick is dropping into coverage is a wasted snap to me. And the guy still had 19 and a half sacks. So uh, yeah. I think you're going to see something different. Is it going to be Buddy Ryan? Nobody's going to be Buddy Ryan anymore. Offenses yeah. have come too Can't far. Can't do it. Defenses have come too far, but I do think the defense will be more aggressive. And here's hey, the Glenn, other thing. Yeah, I go ahead, Nick. Question. You go. Yeah. I have a question for you, Glenn. Uh, we both have a lot of uh, friends in the acting community. Mm-hmm. I'm also an actor. You, you've worked with many of my friends, uh, Hudson Drews. Uh, yeah. All the, all the, all the guys. Um, I have the project in the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. It's called Proud to Be a Philadelphian. I wrote this January, and I've. Up to it today, I perform it the 20, 21st, and 22nd at the Red Rum Theater at the Curtis Institute. Uh, it, it's voicing my opinion. You, you got I got to hit a break, so tell me what it is that you're looking to do. I, I just want to let Philadelphians know. Okay, okay. so you're it's tired the, of the outsiders. Gotcha, and, and it is it's, the Red Rum Theater, which I know. Give me the dates. 20, 21st, and 22nd, 8 p.m. Terrific. I will. I will try to make it, and I wish you well with that. By the way... We were making the movie reference, and here you go. Is it better to be loved or feared? That's a good question. It's nice to be both, but it's very difficult. But if I had my choice, I would rather be feared. That's Buddy Ryan and Rich Kotite in a conversation <laughs> from 1991. Five minutes later, <laughs> now you can't leave. Right. But here's the thing. And I understand what Nikki is saying about that, and you kind of suggested this. You said it's that the offenses have come too far, and I think that's part of it. But the other part is it, everything's a penalty. Yeah. Buddy Ryan's defense you could draw 250 yards a game in penalties. Seth Joyner and Wes Hopkins and, oh, God, Andre, Andre Waters, Waters and all those guys who were great players could not play that brand of football anymore, and you just can't in the no. league. So I don't know that defenses are feared anymore. No, I don't. I think, especially now that the trend is the Vic Fangio give up yards but don't give up points Mm -hmm. sort of scheme because teams throw the ball so much. Yeah, and it's effective. It works. But if you're an old, if you're a Kelly Greener, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's not what you love. It is not that anymore. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let's tell you a little bit about the show coming up at eleven. We're going to talk to Ray Dinger as we approach. Uh, the Eagles' first game tomorrow. Mike Lombardi, uh, longtime NFL executive, uh, author, analyst, uh, has got a new book out. We're going to talk to Mike uh, about his new book and some of his opinions on the NFL. Hey, what we're watching today, 1125, you know I am a Your fan. Your sweet spot. Oh, uh, British cop shows. There we go. I got one. It's back, everybody. Make sure you listen to that. We're going to talk about the Phillies uh, as this hour comes up. Not happy with the manager. And yeah, next segment, man, we got to sell our stupid football bet. I love our stupid football bet. Okay. All right. Let's I love make it. sure we're all on the same page with this thing as we will do that. And we really want to talk to you today. It's uh, it's such a fun day as we anticipate tomorrow. It's a good day for you to check in. 215-592-9494.
With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, he is. He was. He is. We expect that he will be. Now, Mike Sielski, he's got the broken thumb coming into the year, which is a bit of a concern. You can't grab and toss and all that. I am a little worried about that. I am not worried at all. I think he'll manage, and he will make me victorious Uh, at the end of the season. Slow slow your roll, big man. Our stupid football bet. Uh, All right. I I was planning to lead up to it a little more slowly. No, we don't need to lead up. Let's celebrate now. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I haven't talked to Ralph's uh, restaurant yet. I would love to do it there, as always. They're just always so hospitable. But, yes, you and I have continued a tradition that I began with Ray Dinger back in the day, which was a stupid football bet that has to do with no, nothing that's too dramatic and will impact the future of the Eagles. We're not betting on how many games they're going to win. We're not nope. going to betting on are they going to go to the Super Bowl. We're not betting on is Jalen Hurts going to be great or awful. Not sure what that bet would be, but it's always a fun kind of superfluous bet. And we've, we, we put it out on social media and got a ton of great ideas. We did. We got a, a ton of great ideas. We got a ton of not-so-great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I got an email from somebody who wanted the stupid football bet to be, I think it was something along the lines of how many times Jalen Hurts ran out of bounds versus how many times yeah, he no. threw the ball away. Uh, it was uh, like, uh, oh, my gosh. That's not fun. The, no. the, there are certain things with the stupid football bet that have to that have to be part of it. One is it has to be something that creates highlights that we can play on the air. Exactly. So Jalen Hurts running out of bounds is not exactly a <laughs> highlight we want to play on the air. It's got to be something that occurs often enough that we can talk about it every week. One mistake Ray and I made years ago was how many field goals over 50 yards will Jake Elliott hit? I think the number was four and a half. He got there by like early October. The bet was done. And then like, okay, well, nothing. It was the stupid abbreviated football bet. So we want something that's going to go through the entire year. So let let me take this call. Okay. And then we'll kind of discuss it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Let's see what John and Maniunk is thinking. Hey, John. Hey, guys. You guys are talking uh, uh, breakthrough players. And uh, my one question is, uh, how long will it be if Jordan Davis doesn't start? really contributing that he's considered a bust for the Eagles. I know wow. all positive. Whoa. <laughs> John coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, really? And I got a weird trivia question for you guys uh, at the end. All right. Well, I, I have – I believe my, – My feeling is, John, if he doesn't sack Mac Jones in the first play Sunday, bust. Okay. <laughs> I believe, John, that he is going to have a very good sophomore year 
and be part of a crew of young players, many from Georgia. Oh yeah, who contribute tremendously on this defense. I do you. When you ask that question, it appears a little loaded. Do you not think he's going to be good? Um, well, I know. Yeah, I have to give him some credit there. I know he had an injury last year that held him back, right? He did, yes. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be the guy. He's I, he's more of like a nose tackle, run uh, stuffer. So, I don't think he's going to have ta- like a sacks or anything like that. What do you guys think? I think he is going to have sacks. I, I don't. I think he'll push the quarterback back in the pocket to allow – other players, one in particular, to rack up sacks. That's the way I'm looking at it, John. Okay. Uh, so, John, let us uh, get what, – what is your trivia question? Uh, it's really weird, actually. Uh, I don't think Mike will get this. He's not old enough, but there's a really good new Rolling Stone video out. They got a new album coming out. Mm-hmm. And and back on the old tour, Mick Jagger wore a 21 Eagles jersey. Do you remember who that was? Eric Allen. No, no, it was John Shar from UCLA. It was back in the oh wow, that is yeah. that. that John, is, I've spoken to John Shara actually. I just didn't know he wore number twenty-one. He certainly wasn't the first Eagles player I would think of wearing number twenty-one. No, Eric Allen is the guy for me. All right, so uh, he he kind of helped tee this up, and you certainly were eager to go with it. So, <laughs> all right, let's discuss the stupid football bet. Okay, and and um, do me a favor. Uh, I'll speak it out loud. You write it down so that in the end, we it's all on the record. We agree. Got it. So the bet for this year is who is going to have more total sacks? Is it going to be the aforementioned Hassan Reddick, who had 19 and a half last year? Now, we are including the playoffs in the, post, the postseason and the Super Bowl, correct? We absolutely are. Okay, which we did last year, which worked out for me. At the very end, you pulled when it Britton out. Covey took, what, 21 yards in that Super Bowl. I saw Britton yesterday in the Eagles locker room. I neglected to mention that he cost me dinner. You know what? Next time you see him, just if if the opportunity yeah. is there, say, you know, we uh, Well, you know, his his wife just had a baby, oh, so nice. he was looking a little haggard at yeah. practice. He needs some sleep. By the way, that Trey Turner baby is like the cutest baby I ever saw in my life. Yeah. Okay. Who will have more sacks? Hassan Reddick. Coming off that great year with the bum thumb going into the year, a little bit of a concern. Okay, we'll see. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's he was asked yesterday about his contract uh, following. It wasn't the Bosa signing. What was the signing that, that related to that? Wasn't it? Bo- was Bosa, it the Bosa, Bosa signing? Just okay, signed, yeah. It was the Bosa signing. See, if, I'm sorry, Ben, uh, our terrific producer, Ben Kenny. See if you can find. Yesterday, he I know we ran it on the station. There was a cut from him about uh, how he felt about it, and I thought he handled it graciously. And I think he's, you know, not going to be affected by his contract that's going to hurt his game. No. So I think he's going to have another terrific year. I think he's going to have a great year. But is the question that will he have more sacks combined than the team of Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, and Kaylee Ringo. I'm not sure how much I'll get from Kaylee Ringo, but maybe there'll be a blitz. He'll get me one, and that could make all the difference. I got the Georgia Dogs mm-hmm. against Hassan Reddick. Total sacks for the year. Mike Sealski, your thoughts? Well, first of all, I called this the Supreme Court stupid football bet last week because it's Reddick versus Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and Landmark case. Yeah, exactly. 1875. <laughs> the verdict was 8-1 to one in favor of Sealski. Right. Uh so I'm taking Hassan. I think this guy is one of the three or four best pass rushers in the NFL. I think he showed it last year. I think the fact that 
the turf was as slippery as it was in the Super Bowl hurt him and in turn the Eagles more than any other player mm-hmm. in that game. And I think it's a different game if they play on a different surface. Not that I'm whining or complaining because I'm not whining or complaining. Everybody's playing on the surface. Be that as it may, I'll take Hassan Reddick and I'll run with it. Um, and listen, I think it's a, I think it's a good bet because I think it's pretty even. I don't know how it would be. You know, we'll ask Ray to to yeah, his, that's a good idea. To because, set odds on it be, because there's enough unknown in how much is Nolan Smith going to play? Yep. How much is Jordan Davis going to play? How, how much, much is, is he going to contribute? Our last caller suggested he could be a bust. <laughs> <laughs> but Davis and Carter are defensive tackles. Yep. They're not players that you think of getting mm-hmm. a lot of sacks. Yep. Then again, if they meet expectations, they each could have six or seven. All right, here's what I think. One of the questions I was going to ask you is who's going to be the best newcomer on the team. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that thought for a okay. moment. Actually, before we do that, let's circle back. Hassan Reddick uh, was asked uh, yesterday, the day before, about the contract that Joey Bosa signed. Here's what he had to say. What's your uh, reaction to uh, Bosa's contract? And more so, just what that does for the, the market. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm happy for him, right? You know, got the big big contract, um, which is which is great for him. Like, you know, life-changing. Uh, you know, but like you said, it's going to set the market. Uh, and yeah, hopefully you start seeing more guys get paid. All right, very a little hard to hear, but I also think very gracious, which very is very gracious and very subtle about yeah, what he was doing. Absolutely, <laughs> very happy for him. Sets the market for the other guys who'll get paid, and next year he gets paid, or maybe this, you know, maybe they redo his contract. Could be middle of the year. He's having another good year. I'm sure they will give him the new contract. The Bosa deal was insane. Yeah, 170 million dollars. Yeah, I don't think he get that, but I definitely gets one tenth of that now, right? Yeah, yeah. Not that. <laughs> so I think that they'll redo his deal during the year, and yeah. I think he will play terrifically. But <clears throat> Jalen Carter, I think, is going to come in as a rookie and have, from defensive tackle, seven and a half sacks. Wow. Oh, I do. I think he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. Okay. I think he's going to be the guy who people go back and look at this draft in five years and go, boy, the Eagles got to steal it. N- number nine, right? Yep. Yeah. Trade it up to get him. Yeah, Eagles got to steal By the way, good piece this week in the Inquirer about how that all came EJ to EJ Smith. Yeah, he did a nice job with that piece. Um, yeah, I think he's he's going to be a force. And as you talked about, as Brandon Graham gets older, as Fletcher Cox gets older, as those guys become very much more situational. Mm-hmm. And they were to a degree last year. I think Cox was playing 17 plays a game. Yep. I think this year he'll play like 11, 12 plays a game. And this kid is going to be terrific. So I'm putting him down for seven and a half. Okay. I'm putting Jordan Davis down for four or five. I'll go four and a half for Jordan Davis. Okay. I think it's going to happen is the defensive ends are going to get to the quarterback who's going to step forward. And guess who's going to be standing there? My tree trunk of a guy. <laughs> he's, he's, going to, he's going to get those beneficiary sacks where the quarterback runs into his arms. I think the opposite. I think if if Davis plays the way that the Eagles drafted him to play, he will push the pocket back, <laughs> leading to more sacks on the outside by Hassan Reddick. Okay. Well, that could happen too. Uh, but I'm also s- counting on Kyle Shanahan coaching every game against the Eagles and trying to block Hassan Reddick with a tight end. Oh, my gosh. I watched that. Yeah, well, that, we just played that. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so that so that already has me at 12. Okay. I think I'm going to get like two and a half from Nolan Smith. As a rookie, I don't think he's going to play a ton. I hope he does. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. a pass rusher. Yeah. But I'll be conservative, so that's 14 and a half. I think I'll get 
two and a half from Nicobe Dean. I don't think you'll get two and a half from Nicobe Dean. I also don't think you're going to get four or five from Jordan Davis. That's okay. that's where I'm making my money. All right. Okay. That's that's it. And I'm going to take uh, a half from Kylie Ringo, <laughs> which puts me at uh, was that seventeen and a half. And as great of a season as Hassan Reddick had last year, mm-hmm. if I set the over under at him at seventeen and a half, I go a little bit under. Boom. Dinner on, Mike. The bet is you, me, and our regular producer. Now, yes. right now it's Ben Kenny. Ben, this is incentive for you to stay with our show because what has happened a few times is we'll have a producer like September. He's our guy, mm-hmm. and then he then he, he leaves us, right? Kyle Quinn was right. our producer, and then – so Kyle ain't getting any dinner. Ben, I don't know your future, but dinner could be in it. Yeah, it's a consideration. There you go. Have, you been, have you been to Ralph's before, Ben? I've not. No. Wow. Well, it, a newbie. Wait, and you did grow up here, right? Yeah. Oh, son. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot about it, clearly. Yeah, well, it's only been around for 120 years, so, you know, it's only there you the, go. the oldest family-owned Italian restaurant in America. One one question I have with the bet. Yeah. Okay. Does it, uh, in your honor, I would like to address something that the defendant, Mr. Sielski, said. Okay. Does the bet need insurance if Hassan Reddick gets hurt? I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. If Hassan Reddick gets hurt... Mm-hmm. You could that's that's a good point. Yeah. You can choose any one other guy. Because yeah, I, I think, actually I actually think that he's not going to lead the team in sacks this year. Oh, who's your bet to lead the team in sacks? The other guy. The other defensive. Ah, okay. Mhm. Ah, Josh Sweat. Mhm. I think Josh Sweat's going to lead the team in sacks. Yeah. That that could possibly happen, yeah. but I, I will Which put, doesn't mean Rex's going to have a bad year. He, here's my here's my thinking. Hassan Reddick is already highly motivated, as we have discussed, yep. given the contract to Nick Bosa and Hassan's feelings that he deserves more money. And now that he knows that a dinner at Ralph's is riding on yeah. his production. Hey, bring him if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I think he will he will surpass the okay. total of the judgment. By the way, here's the and the insurance has to be this. You get that insurance. Mm-hmm. Unless I lose one of my two big guys, so okay. you really have to write this out. Okay. Okay. All right. So if I, if I lose um, Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter, you don't get insurance. Got it. Okay. okay. I'm writing this down now. Right. That's a true eye for an eye situation. Yeah, it's got to be. It's yeah. got to be. No, you, All you right, have but to that's do that. good. Yes. I get it. I mean, if you know, God forbid Hassan Red goes out in week three, a it's horrible for him and the Eagles. But I don't want it to ruin our bet. Well, thank you for suggesting Josh Sweat. So now I know if Reddit gets hurt, who I'm going with. Yeah. Okay. 215-592-9494. Hey, it's that time of year again. Consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. And the great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match these savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. Let's go, G-U-I-D. Uh, I agree with whatever Larry Anderson was about to say there. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. With his but deep I guarantee sigh you I agree. of exasperation. I share the opinion. And the Phillies lose yesterday to the Marlins in a game that they were winning 2 to nothing. And, um, listen, they should have scored more than two runs. And uh, so that that's 
in, in large part on the offense. Nick Castellanos saw two pitches and made four outs in his first two at-bats. Yeah. The, Hard to do. The one where he came up with, the, I guess it was the bases loaded after the previous batter had walked. You know, yes, there is something acts. to be said in certain situations. I know you, you're looking for a pitch to hit. I know you're anticipating that the guy's going to throw you a cookie. But, and I know it's kind of old-fashioned to think so, but, man, maybe take another pitch or yeah. two. Yeah, that, that was that was that was not good, and the offense was not good, and I know that's very important. But Mike Sielski, I imagine, like me, you were screaming at the manager through your television, or maybe you were at the game last night. As, I was not at the game. Okay, as after five innings, he pulls Christopher Sanchez, who had allowed just four hits and thrown only eighty-two pitches and giving up no runs. Hello. Yeah, not thrilled with this, and. You know, I put this out on social media, Glenn, about how I don't understand why Rob Thompson would pull Christopher Sanchez after only five innings. I do understand why he's doing it, in that I know why he's doing it. They don't want to push him. He's already pitched more innings and thrown more pitches this season than he ever has before. I I get that. They are looking at this from a macro perspective, and they're saying, we want to not push this guy too far. Here's the issue I have with that. They have no issue, it seems to me, about pushing their bullpen too far. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is going to be a much thornier problem to solve down the stretch and in the playoffs. You have multiple multiple relievers who are approaching their career highs for appearances and pitches thrown. Yep. It's Craig Kimbrell. It's Matt... Matt Strom. Mm-hmm. It's Gregory Soto. Who didn't look very good last night. No, he didn't. It's a bunch of guys who you're relying on over and over and over again. And when a guy like Sanchez throws five shutout innings and you pull him, you lose an opportunity to give your bullpen that's already taxed one more inning off. Those sorts of things matter. It's one thing if Christopher Sanchez has given up four runs in five innings. It's another thing when he's throwing a shutout. You don't need to pull him that early and if you tire him out, okay, that's not as bad as tiring out your entire bullpen. Well, and he's fa- and he's and he's pitching well. These are games you got to win now, right? I mean, Miami's a good team. You really don't want to lose this series, and you still have two to play tonight. Aaron Nola on the mound against Johnny Cueto. Hopefully, the good Nola. Um, when he was asked after the game what he had left in the tank, Sanchez said, "Muchismo," <laughs> which is a combination of. Mucho and machismo. Yeah, I think that's, I like. that's, a, that's a quality Antonio Banderas has. Yeah, it's a great. So, yeah, it was a disappointing one, and they should not have lost that game. Hey, one thing that we want to do um, today is express our love and support and condolences for our pal Hugh Douglas. As I'm sure everybody in the audience knows, Hugh's son uh, died this past week in a tragic car accident along with another uh, fellow student down in Georgia. Um, we love Hugh. We just really feel for him and uh, give him all of our support at this time. You have two sons, Glenn. Mm -hmm. I have two sons. There is nothing that fills a parent with more fear than losing one of them in this kind of way. And as you said, our hearts and our prayers go out to Hugh and his family, and we're just thinking and praying for him. Absolutely. Uh, 215-592-9494. Come back. We're going to talk with Ray Dinger. I believe Ray may have an opinion or two 
on the upcoming football season, maybe even on our stupid football bet. Oh, I hope he does. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Well, that was last year, and we got so many of those. I remember that specific play. That man. was the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was just great. Anyway, we are now joined uh, by our pal, my former uh, teammate here at WIP, uh, author, playwright, all of the above, Ray Dinger. How are you, Ray? No, I'm doing fine, Glenn. How are you and Do- Mike doing? We're doing great. We're awesome, Ray. Thanks so for joining us. You are at currently uh, standing in Westchester, Pennsylvania, I believe, at the Uptown Theater because Tommy and me is in the middle of a run. Uh, just tell people if they want to come and see it. Yes, absolutely. We started, uh, we opened the play. We had a preview Thursday night. Last night was opening night. Uh, we have two shows today, one at 2 o'clock, one at 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, the play will run through next weekend. And um, it's the original cast coming back. So Love Tom it. Teddy, Matt oh, Pfeiffer. Uh, the original cast is coming back uh, with, uh, with Joe Canuso as the director. And uh, we just had a, a really sensational show last night. We had a full house. The audience was, well, I, I swear two-thirds of the people that showed up, and we had a full house, two-thirds of the people showed up wearing Kelly Green. So I knew we were in good shape. <laughs> By the <laughs> way. The do- when the doors opened and all that sea of Kelly Green began pouring in, I think, you know, I think we got these folks. Uh, you absolutely do. And uh, I may say, I believe in the audience tonight from WIP could be Jack Fritz. I think he's planning to come out tonight. Oh, good. Well, Jack had told me he was planning to try and make it out. So, uh, good. I, I, I will welcome him. And tonight, um, at the, when we do the Q&A after the, uh, after the play, um, two of Tommy McDonald's children will be here, Tommy Jr. and Patricia, the youngest daughter, to answer questions and talk about their dad. So uh, that, that's going to be a nice little bonus. So, yeah, come on out. And, by the way, I'm, I'm, were they, uh, they arranged for me to do a book signing uh, here in the lobby from 1230 to 130 before the matinee. So if you want to come out and buy a book and see the show, come right out. So, Ray, with all of the attention that you are paying to the play and the book signing and all of these events, I, I suspect you haven't had any time to look at the Eagles-Patriots matchup and, and really dive in, <laughs> in any, any depth. Am I right? Oh, on the contrary. On the contrary. I've spent a lot of time this week preparing for this game because I, I think it is a fascinating I think it's, I think it's a fascinating opening week matchup, and I think it's also a very, it's a very dangerous one for the Eagles because uh, I've had way too many people tell me this week, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, oh, oh, this is an easy win. You know, and they're already penciling in Eagles seven and zero, eight and zero. Yeah, the second half of the schedule is tough, but the first half of the schedule is going to be easy. And yeah, we'll roll over New England. And and my response to that is, no, <laughs> no. The words easy and Bill Belichick should never appear in the same sentence. <laughs> you know, mm. I think that I think that I think this is going to be. I think it's a scary game. I think I think it's a tough opener for the Eagles because you've got uh, a Patriot team that's not as bad as people think. Okay. Uh, and you've got Bill Belichick, who's probably the most accomplished coach in NFL history, uh, who's in a, the rare position of being an underdog. Uh, I mean, he's there are a lot of people that are saying, you know, if they miss the playoffs again this year, he's going to be gone. And he's heard the whispers. He's heard what people are saying. And he's heard people say, yeah, he's an average coach since Brady left. All that stuff resonates with him. He'll never admit it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I mean, he's coming into this season feeling that he's got an awful lot to prove. And the first team he gets to prove it against is the Eagles. So, you know, for there's a reason why the line has been fluctuating to three and four points here. On, on paper, you'd say, oh, the Eagles should roll in this game. But I think people recognize that the Patriots are not as bad as a lot of people think and uh, that the head coach is coming into this season feeling like he's got a, he's got a point to prove. All right, so if that's the case, Ray, what are the matchups? 
matchups on the field that favor the Patriots? I think one of the big things that's going to be different about them this year, uh, and nobody's talking about it, is, is the return of Bill O'Brien. You know, I, I, when you watch that team last year, and I have no idea what Belichick was thinking when he turned the offense over to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I mean, that, I mean that 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 to me was that, that that was Juan Castillo as an offense as an offense as, as a defensive coordinator 2.0. I couldn't understand it. Uh, and when you watch them play from week to week, there's absolutely no there's absolutely no coherence and no rhythm to the offense, which you know took Mac Jones from having had a pretty good first year to having a miserable second year. So. They went out and they, they brought Bill O'Brien back, and I think Bill O'Brien is going to change this offense dramatically. And the one thing about O'Brien, and this has been true throughout his coaching career, he's, he's a relatively simple coach in the sense that he doesn't ask his people to do a whole heck of a lot. His offense, as far as it applies to the quarterback, is built around high-percentage passes. He doesn't take a lot of chances. He doesn't try to be in tremendously creative. He doesn't do a lot of razzle-dazzle kinds of things. I mean, he's a real meat and potatoes, high-percentage type of play caller. And that's exactly the kind of quarterback that Mac Jones is. So, you know, I think his coming in is going to make this a far better offensive team than it was a year ago. And defensively, they were already pretty good. I mean, they had 54 sacks last year. They had 30 takeaways. Uh, so that defense is intact, and that's Belichick's pride and joy, obviously. But I think their offense and the quarterback are going to be much better than they were a year ago. All right, I'm going to switch topics. Uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you that I'm I'm looking to disagree with you on that and think the Eagles are going to win fairly easily tomorrow, but we'll get to that later. Um, okay. I want to talk about, actually, all this is going to lead into the stupid bet that Mike and I just made uh, the last hour, <laughs> uh, continuing the fine tradition of you and I making many, many stupid bets over the years and buying and each it, other and our producer's dinner. And just to think, it all started with Thomas DePay. It all started with how many <laughs> carries will Thomas You couldn't Depay think get? of his name I, last I, week. I drew a blank on his name last week. But we do agree, Ray, that Andy Reid froze him out at the end of the year <laughs> so that you could win the bet. Well, he never denied it. Let's put it <laughs> I that know that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, so this year we have made a bet on essentially the defensive line and sacks. Before we get to the specifics, excuse me, um, I think Jalen Carter is going to be a stunning new addition to the defense. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, all that, productive, and so on. I know we talked about it when he was drafted. You really don't get to see anybody in the preseason. What do you think this kid's going to do as a rookie? I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be really good right away. Uh, you know, when I was doing my pre-draft evaluation and putting the board together with grades and all that stuff, um, irregardless of position or whatever, just rating the players on their ability and their potential as NFL players. I had Jalen Carter as my number one. I had him ahead of everybody else, all, all the quarterbacks, everything. I thought, he, I thought he was the best player in this draft. And so for a team coming off a Super Bowl appearance to have a shot at getting him at number nine, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and the Eagles got a little lucky that he fell to where he did, uh, and they got a chance to bring him in. And I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good right away. I mean, I, you said Defensive Rookie of the Year. I just did a, an interview with Seth Joyner. Uh, I was on the Seth Joyner show this week, and we were talking about it. And Seth just flat out predicted the same thing. He said he, he will be. He will be Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, you saw very little of him in the preseason, unless you were at practices and stuff. But all you really had to do was talk to the other guys on the team, the veterans, the offensive linemen who had to go against him in practice. They know this guy is something really special. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be an immediate impact player. All right, so there's two different kinds of impact, though, Ray, when we're talking about a defensive tackle. More than two, actually. You could be 
effective against the run, which as we know in today's day and age isn't necessarily as important as it once was, given how much teams throw the ball. There's also a defensive tackle who pushes the pocket, and there's a defensive tackle who actually gets sacks. And Mm -hmm. my feeling is Jalen Carter can be a very effective player and an excellent defensive tackle right away, pushing the pocket, allowing someone like, say, Hassan Reddick to continue to be a dominant force collecting sacks <laughs> on the outside. Your thoughts, Raymond? Um, well, I think, I think that's true. Um, I think that the combination of Carter and Davis uh, on the inside is going to do exactly what you said. I think, it, I think they will be pocket collapsers. Uh, and they'll get, you know, they'll get some sacks, but they'll also create some opportunities for the guys off the edge. That's the way defenses are meant to work. But, you know, I, I think if, if you just followed them through their college career, which, which I did, I, I, you know, I, I've talked about that Georgia defense a lot. I, I thought it was the best college defense I ever saw. So I watched them closely over the last couple of years. And the, da- the, Davis, the Davis-Carter tandem worked very well together because they're, they're different kinds of players. Davis is, is a huge guy who's – Who's Mason? Who, it's it, you call you, people characterize him as purely a run stuffer. He's much more athletic and better than that. But largely, that's what he's asked to do. Um, but Carter is a guy that has just great takeoff and an ability. If you put him at a three technique to split, to split the line and get penetration, he's going to you know. Davis is going to control the line of scrimmage, and Carter's going to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. That's, that's the way they played in college. That's the way they're going to try to play here, and I think you're going to get that. You know, Davis will probably pick you up a couple of sacks just because the quarterback is going to fall in his lap sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think I heard, you know, I heard Glenn say, uh, uh, set a figure of seven and a half sacks for Carter this year, which seems like a lot when you're talking about a rookie, but I think that's totally achievable. Hello. All right. So, Ray, uh, if you heard that, you probably heard the bet that we made. Uh, five for one is this bet, Ray. We're calling it the Von Hayes bet. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's what the, the, I, I sent that in an email to Glenn. I yes. said you ought to just call this the Von Hayes, the five for one. So here we go. Mike has Hassan Reddick all by himself. By the way, he has insurance. If he gets hurt early in the season, he gets to pick the next guy he wants to pick, which you know only seems fair. That's fair. I've got those five Georgia Bulldogs, um, uh, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, mm-hmm. and Nicobe Dean. Dean. So, mm-hmm. sacks starting with tomorrow going through, we hope, the Super Bowl. Ray, set the odds. Um, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a great bet. I think it's very creative. It's it's all positive. You know, there, there's nothing here that's a that's a that's a negative, an, an Eagles net negative. You know, it, it's just you're just win win. You're just yeah right. You're just counting up. You're just counting up positive plays for your team. So that makes it a good bet. I also think the way that's set up, I think it's a bet that's going to play out for the whole season. It's not going to be like, and I heard you mention our, our place kicker bet way back when, the 50-yard field goals, which, by the way, you said it was Jake Elliott. It was actually Cody Parkey. Oh, it was Cody Parkey. It was that ah. long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was Cody Parkey. Yeah, the bet yeah. was over by the bet was, uh, bet was over before Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't double-doinking anything no, back then. No, he was hitting them all, yeah. He, he, was, he was hitting everything he looked at. He hadn't been the same since, actually. But, um, but yeah, I think, this is, I think this is a bet that's going to play out for the whole season. I think it's going to be close all the way. Um, if I had to pick it, I would probably I would probably take well I guess I'm a little partial because I, I love that that Georgia team I would probably take the five Bulldogs uh, because I think that seven and a half is is very achievable for Carter 
Uh, I think Nolan Smith. I think Nolan Smith's going to play more than people realize. Uh, I think, and I think he has a chance to be a really, a really impactful young player. I mean, he's he really is so much like Hassan Reddick that it's it's almost scary when you watch him on tape. It's like you're it's like you're watching it. Uh, it's like you're watching a split screen with the same guy on both sides of it. I mean, he's got exactly that same kind of burst, exactly that same kind of ability to to get the corner, uh, and he can hunt down a quarterback. So I think he's going to play. I think he's going to get you four or five anyway you know jordan davis will get you a couple uh and i am you know I'm, I'm thinking that desai is going to blitz a little bit more than uh than jonathan gannon did and um and nicobe dean is very good at that i mean i'm not saying that he's going to blitz a ton but you get the you get the you get the right setup you get the right gap and he can hit it he can get you a sack or two so I think that I w- if I was going to take a side on this, I would take Georgia. And I think that, you know, Reddick is a really good player. I just don't know that he's going to be able to match the numbers of last year. You know, I'm thinking he might come in 13-14 this year. Uh, and if that's the case, then I think the, the Georgia guys will probably win this. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bet that's going to go right down, right down to the last week or two. Well, see, Ray, all that's going to end up happening is that you proving once again that you don't know anything about football and you will embarrass yourself with how far Hassan Reddick will be in front uh, when it comes to collecting sacks. Mm. For this Listen, defense. yeah, I, I hope they, yeah, I, I hope, I hope that's true, and I hope they all have a big year. You know, one of the things that uh, Mike, you were sort of, you were sort of talking about uh, with all the stuff I got going on. Maybe I haven't had a chance to really look and prepare for the season. I've. I'll tell you, I was doing that this week. I was kind of looking at the Eagles roster and all the other rosters, and I found myself saying something that I have never said in 50-plus years of covering this team. And it just, it just, it was a real epiphany to me when I, well, all of a sudden I found myself saying this. This is the first time in all the years that I've been covering the Eagles that I can honestly say going into week one of the season, the Eagles are the best team in the league. Wow. In, In every other year, you know, even the really good years. I mean, even the Vermeil years, uh, even the Andy years when they went to the Super Bowl and all. You know, just looking at the rosters and comparing them to every other team in the league, I always say, yeah, the Eagles are really good. They have a chance, but this team is better. Or right. This team is better. But I looked at the, I looked at them all, and I just said, you know what? Right now, going into the opening weekend of the season. I believe the Eagles have the best roster in the NFL, and I have never said that before. All right, so I want to explore this just a little bit, Ray, because what that comes down to, I think, is the Eagles and the 49ers and the difference between their rosters apart from the quarterbacks and then the quarterbacks themselves. So so I gather what you're saying is that – are you saying that the – Eagles roster without the quarterbacks is better than the 49ers? Or are you saying that they're about even or the 49ers might have the edge and the gap between Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy is so great that it gives the Eagles the edge? I think that uh, it's probably closer to number two. I think that if you, if, to me, if you sized up the two rosters, I think they're very close. Uh, apart from the quarterback, I think they're very close. I would still probably give the Eagles the edge. Because I think the 49ers are really good, and that's why I think the 49ers are the team most likely to push the Eagles to the finish this year. I think I think they're really good, uh, but I think the difference at the quarterback position is so huge at this point that that really tips it in the Eagles' favor. I think the rosters, the other part of the rosters, pretty close. I mean, and you could make an argument on either side of that, and I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't say you're wrong, but the difference at quarterback is enormous, and uh, I just think this. I just think this Eagles team is, even though they had. You know, they lost a lot of guys in free agency. 
Uh, you know, and they lost a couple of very valuable special teamers in the preseason, which isn't great. Uh, uh, they, and they have a really tough schedule. There's no question about that. Uh, but, boy, they're good. I mean, they are, they are really, really good. And they have some depth on this team. And, um, you know, and I think they've lived with the memory of what happened in the Super Bowl. And I think that they're coming into this season with a, with a tremendous focus. And, I, you know, a lot of people have said to me that there's a little bit of concern. You know, I wonder about Jalen Hurts. You know, I mean, you know, now he's got all this money and he's doing commercials. Wow. And he's on the, <laughs> and, he's on, and he's on the cover of SI. I have not and, heard that. I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> oh, no. I, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that. And, and, and what that is, you know, that's, that, you know that, that's the residue of Randall Cunningham. Ah. You know, I mean, I think I think everybody thinks back to you know the ultimate weapon and that, that cover, cover Sports yeah, Illustrated, sure. and they're thinking, oh man, here we go again. And you know, I listen. I Randall and Jalen are as different as two people can be in terms of their approach. Uh, and listen, all of the fame and all of the acclaim and all of that stuff that did affect Randall for sure. I mean, that really. I mean, there, there was going into that season, he was thinking as much about getting on the Arsenio Hall show as he was about getting to the Super Bowl. He was. I mean, he became yeah. starstruck. Yeah. Uh, and, but that is not the case with Jalen Hurts. This guy, he's not, he, he doesn't think about being a celebrity. He doesn't think about being a corporation. All he thinks about is being a quarterback who wins football games. And I think that that's, that's going to be the difference. I remember they let Randall leave a preseason game early because he was going. Was it a Whitney Houston party or something? Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston's birthday party. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was. It was Randall and Keith Jackson both yeah. uh, both checked out at halftime. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that with this guy. I I think that's a that's a really good point. Um, just a couple questions. Um, is there anything on this team depth coaching? Anything that concerns you? Um, if the quarterback gets hurt. Okay, short of the quarterback. Let, let's I mean, leave I, that to me, that to me, that to me, that is that that is the that, that is the triple well, X factor. Yeah, actually, I said short of injury, but maybe I shouldn't because you talked about depth, and we know who the backup is. Yeah, and I, I just don't think you can win with that guy. I, you know, I, agree. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, they have, I mean, they have, they have really, I mean, they've staked themselves to this, uh, and they're just, I guarantee you, everybody in that building is sitting with their, with their fingers crossed, saying he better not go down, uh, because I, I don't think you can win with the other guy. I, I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, you're not going to have Nick Foles ride to the rescue here. I mean, if, if Hertz goes down, and the way he plays, it could happen. I mean, the last two years he's been hurt both years. Uh, and okay, um, you know he, he was able to get you to the playoffs. But if something happens in week two or three, as opposed to week twelve or thirteen, this is a whole different season. I mean, that's that is the one scary aspect about this. Otherwise, this team is very good, yeah. uh, and I think they're well coached. I think they've got depth. I think they've got a sense of purpose. I think that, I think they're right where they need to be. Uh, but the one thing that could turn this thing on its ear is is an injury to the quarterback. And you know what's interesting about that, Ray? The Eagles thought about acquiring Marcus Mariota and went ahead and did it because the justification was the stylistic similarity between him and Hurts, right? They can both run. They can both move. And if you watch him in training camp in the preseason, you can see Mariota can do that. The problem is, and nobody talks about this, the problem is that the gap between the way Hurts can throw the ball from the pocket now and the way Mariota can't is so great that I agree with you completely. If Hertz gets injured and can't play, that's going to be the difference. They're not going to be able to run the offense they want because Mariota isn't good enough just standing in the pocket, pocket finding guys. 
Yeah, you're right. And uh, and this and the thing is, it's that's why the signing of him, I kind of everybody was saying all that. Oh God, what a great signing, a perfect fit for this offense. Well, I said, uh, did you did you see him play in Atlanta last year? I mean, did you see how inaccurate he is? Did you see how terrible his mechanics are? Uh, I mean, I, I, I it was. It's a miracle right. that that team won seven games last year with him as their quarterback. It, it, really, it really is. I mean, in terms of if, if, you, if you break down the, pass, the quarterback metrics and, and you go by quarterback accuracy, he was the 38th passer in the NFL last year in terms of accuracy. That's how inaccurate he was. And that's what you saw, that's what you saw in the preseason yeah. games. That's what you saw in practice. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got a situation there where, okay, I mean, he can run this offense to a certain degree in terms of just running the ball, but there's no way he can make the plays from the pocket or throw the ball the way the starting quarterback. All right, can. I don't want to leave this on a low note, so let's get yeah, back to where we, where let's get back to where we started. Uh, and we all know injuries can change anything, and predictions at the start of the season can seem ridiculous. But right now, you're saying, what is this year's Super Bowl matchup? Oh, Super Bowl matchup. Jeez, I, I hadn't thought that for uh, Well, Who's going to win the NFC this year? Let's stick with that. Uh, okay. Um, I, I will say this. I think, that, I think that they are going to break that ridiculous streak of no repeat champions in the NFC East. Um, even though this division's getting better, and it is. The Giants are better. The Cowboys are pretty good. Washington, who knows? Maybe they're finally finding their way out of the wilderness. The, but, the, but the NFC East is better. The competition is better. But the Eagles are still clearly the best team. So I think they will repeat. I think they will repeat as the NFC East champs. And if that's the case, and I, I'm going to say 12-5 and five, mm-hmm. uh, as, as their record, and with the NFC being what it is, uh, without another great super team behind you, I think 12-5 and five still might get you the number one seed. Uh, and if that's the case, and they're the number one seed, and everybody has to come through Philadelphia, yeah, I think they have a really, really, really good chance to be back in the Super Bowl this year. Ray, I love that. Now, people should head out to Westchester uh, tonight and over the course of the next week to see Tommy and me at the Uptown uh, Nower Performing Arts Center. And, Ray, in November, you and I are going to do another sports movie night uh, where we are going to show clips of the greatest ever sports films, tell some entertaining stories about casting decisions and memorable scenes and director's choices and how the movies were made. Uh, always love doing that. Oh, we wrote that book together. It's always fun to have that program. I'm looking forward to it already. Those those movies, sports movies nights are really fun nights. I can't I can't wait. And you know, I love your little theater out there in Swarthmore. I think it's going to be a real fun evening. It's going to be at the Players Club of Swarthmore. And if you want tickets, we put it up yesterday, Ray. I saw they already sold about fifteen twenty tickets even before we talked about it. People should go to pcstheater.org. Pcstheater.org. Scroll down the front page a little bit. You'll see a handsome picture of Ray and I there, and you can uh, you can click on that and get the pictures, or just look at the handsome picture of Ray and me. Uh, Ray, Excellent. a pleasure, pal. Have a great show tonight. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Come on out to the uh, Nower Performing Arts Center, Uptown Westchester. Tommy and me running through September 17th. All right, there you go. Thanks, Ray. All right. Let me get this right. He said he had an epiphany. Yes. And it was the first the, time in a half century that he can say the Eagles have the most talent of any team in the league. That they have the best roster in the NFL. Best roster in the league. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll live with that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get into that. All the. I didn't want to end. Right. We had to cover the Mariota stuff, but I didn't want it to be. No, I get it. High to low. I get it. Yeah, but the, he's right. The quarterback better stay healthy. Two one two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Uh, Mike Lombardi is going to join us at noon. We'll see if he shares that optimism about the Eagles.
Hey, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another long, cold winter rolls in. And the great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest refinancing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no obligation in home estimate at 1 877 GO GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G U I D A. All right. By the way, do you know what the last, hey, my, the, the, the Hey Mikey's? I got them all identified except for the last one. I'd have to hear it again to go through right. each one, but I don't. Know, there's one of them I don't know. All right, next week when we do it, let's okay. see if we can figure out all. I, I mean, know the there's Godfather, one of them I don't know. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, we'll see if we can get that. Anyway. I think two of them are the Godfather. Yes. What we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Buy a window or door and get the second one half off. With 18 months interest-free financing, call Guided Door and Window at one eight seven seven go guida or visit com. Now, Mike, you know my favorite form genre of television is the British cop show. I was going to go with Looney Tunes cartoons, but Lo- I love those too actually. Okay. <laughs> love those love those. Too. I was, you know, I got the 7-year-old grandson. I was watching last time he was here a couple of old like Bugs Bunny oh. that he had never seen, right? Cuz oh it's not on now. Yeah. You got you got to hunt to find we them. We did we did we found the one. Yeah, I I, I you know, found it on uh, the one that was the the symphony where he's doing the symphony. Killed a wabbit. Yes. Killed a wabbit. Oh, it was so great. Anyway, but that's not what we're here to talk uh, we about. We are today. not. No. But it is great. Um I love the British cop shows, man. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. And I am delighted to tell people that one of my all-time favorite shows, which was Unforgotten, mm-hmm. uh, is back on with a new season on PBS Masterpiece Theater. Okay. So nobody's going to watch this tomorrow, but tape it because it's Sunday night at 9 o'clock. You're just going to be getting off of the Eagles game. You might be turning on. I don't know what the, t- the game is tomorrow night, but you're going to be all footballed up. But record these. Unforgotten is one of my all-time favorite shows. If you've never seen it, I know season one is free on Amazon Prime, and I think other years are available on BritBox. So that's there. And and here's the story. It is, it's a cold case police procedure mm-hmm. uh, at its best. Each each season is dedicated to solving one case, a long unresolved murder. And along the way, they introduce these disparate characters, like a half a dozen, and they're unrelated to each other. You're not sure how they're all going to fit in. And over the six episodes a year, it all starts to mesh. And one of them is going to probably end up being the killer. But you have to try to figure it out, which is hard to do. Um, If you watch the show like I do, and uh, this this is a spoiler, I'm sorry, but it's been off for a year. The last season ended with the lead character getting getting killed. Mm -hmm. And so she's off the show. And um, what are they going to do to replace her? There's a new lead detective in charge who makes no friends by mispronouncing everybody's name and letting them know she's not all that interested in solving their cases but it is it's on and it is it is so good um also sunday night at eight before this mm-hmm. masterpiece theater 
has added another British cop show. Oh, my God. Which I never watched before. You are awash in British cop shows. Well, I'm gonna, there's even more. Uh, called Professor T. Oh. Okay? Not, okay? not Mr. T. No. If he went to school. I pity the fool. <laughs> Professor T is a British cop show about a very snooty um, British college professor with OCD who in his spare time solves murders. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it. Every every right? character nowadays in a show like this has to have some kind of you know thing. He's OCD right. or something like yes. that. You know? Yeah, something. Um, he's really snooty and he's really obnoxious and he solves murders. And the police, like when they can't figure out what to do, call in Professor T. And it's good. I only watched one episode. I guess this is the third year. I hadn't watched the previous two years, but I don't, I don't know that you have to. Um, you anticipated my question, which is, with these shows, can you step right in, or do you have to have been familiar with everything that came Jump right in. Okay. Jump, Mike, do yourself and your family a favor. Put your DV, set your DVR to record tomorrow night, okay. Professor T, at 8 o'clock on PBS, and Unforgotten at 9. There's actually a third British cop show at 10, oh my God. but like after the first two, it's like, uh, <laughs> Um, it was bad enough when my kids were really, really little, and they started speaking in British accents because they would watch Peppa Pig, the cartoon. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe uh, it's time for the British cop show to bring back those accents. Um, I will tell you that your kids are young enough that they might not be ready okay. for Unforgotten because, I mean, this season opens with them finding a dead body up a chimney that's been there for we don't know how many years. Ooh. And it is in serious state of decomposure. Ooh. So, right, if like Ira Einhorn kind of yeah, situation. Actually, yeah, I mean, it, and it, and it actually may be. I'm not sure how where the case goes, but it is that kind of thing. Good pull there. Uh, I'm going to just give people a list of my favorite British cop shows. Okay. So, if you are a fan of it and you haven't watched any of these, you should. I can't tell you where to find them all, but but you can. Um, Bad Sisters, which was on last year. Which I remember you Irish talking show. about that, which you loved. Uh, it's probably my favorite. Wow. Line of Duty. Uh, on for a bunch of years, great show. Unforgotten, my I may rank at number three. Broadchurch was great. Deadlock, which I just watched, mm-hmm. which was actually Australia. It was actually Tasmanian, um, so it's not British, but you know when it when it they comes speak to, with the accent. When it comes to detective shows, as far as you're concerned, the British Empire extends yes. across the rest yes, of I'll, the globe. Right, anything that the Queen used to exploit, I'll take <laughs> that. Right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with that. Um, Broadchurch was great. Deadlock. Happy Valley was a great show. It's not about Paterno. It takes place in the Yeah, England. you know, let's solve this crime. Work, no, working class British cop. Uh, Sherlock was great, which is kind of a new uh, up-to-date Sherlock Holmes. Luther was terrific mm. with Idris Elba. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. Uh, Killing Eve was terrific with- uh, Sandra Oh. Sandra Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was great. She's got a new movie coming out, by the way, which looks interesting. Okay. Peaky Blinders I love. The Stranger. Anyway, I love British cop shows, and I'm telling you, Unforgotten is one of the best. It is now on Sunday nights at 9 on PBS, so set your, uh, set your DVR. And Sunday at 8, try Professor T. Okay. All I watched this week, because the kids were back at school, but- only had half days because their schools were closed for the afternoons because they didn't have air conditioning and oh, it was so the heat. hot. Is that right? Oh. So uh, between Eagles and other things I'm working on, the literally the only thing I watched on TV before turning on the Phillies last night was mm-hmm. the Thursday night football game between the Chiefs and the Lions where I heard Chris Collinsworth say that tonight America was going to be introduced to Patrick Mahomes. 
as if America Hello? Yeah, as if America what? didn't know about the quarterback really? who had already won two Super Bowls and appeared in the third and broken all these records and was the heir apparent to Tom Brady and all of that stuff. But mm. that's a discussion for another day. Mm, okay. Uh that that that's yeah. fine. Um So if if that if we're playing what we're watching, yeah. Chris Collinsworth gets one star out okay. of Okay. All right. Um okay, so that is that is that oh by that this is what I want to say. Uh thank you. I don't know if uh did you you know this by yourself, Ben, or somebody call in? No, well someone called in. I looked it up and found it. Go ahead. The the final Hey Mikey yeah. in the open is from the Goonies. <sighs> Which I haven't seen in years and is a great movie. Uh great eighties movie. We tried we showed it to my sons and they just didn't get into and- it. You show old movies to your kids, which I think is very cool. So last night- Your we, kids love Jaws? They, my nine-year-old Gabe, his favorite movie is Jaws. It's a brave kid. We we watched Stranger Things, the four, se- was it four seasons of it. They do not scare easily. And speaking of old movies, last night, <laughs> the three of us, my two sons and I, my wife was in the other room reading a book, watched The Creature from the Black Lagoon from the 50s. <laughs> That is an old. It is old. Black and white, basic monster movie, drive-in movie. It is, and it's as corny as you think it is. But the one thing I was able to say to Gabe, my nine-year-old, was, "Hey, buddy, look at this scene. Doesn't this remind you of Jaws? Look at this other scene. Doesn't it remind you of Jaws? Because that movie was a big influence on Steven Spielberg when he mm. made that movie, and there are shots that look almost exactly the same." Between the monster and the shark. So pretty cool. Very cool. Interesting. Um, Okay. I want to uh, ask you another Eagles-related question. We're going to get back to talking about that. and Give Mm -hmm. us a call at 215-592-9494. Other than Marcus Mariota. Because that's that's the answer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What else kind of concerns you about this team? And injuries, you can't go injuries. Because that could kill any team. I think... The pass defense in the middle of the field Mm. is a potential concern. Only because you're not sure quite what you've got in safety. You have two excellent cornerbacks. Everybody grants that. Not quite sure what you're going to have at safety. It took them a long time to figure out who's going to play next to Reed Blankenship. Yeah, and by the way, they're taking Reed Blankenship as a given now. And he's had a really good camp. But, you know, undrafted guy, second year. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. And, And we know that linebacker is not a position that they consider to be a strength, and we can all be high on the Kobe Dean, but he didn't play a whole lot last season. And so that would be my primary area of concern, that if the pass rush doesn't get home, they're going to be playing better quarterbacks this season. Those sorts of guys are going to be able to exploit that soft center of the field. Uh, That would be my worry. Yeah, I mean, mine was kind of going to be the same, which is, the safeties mm-hmm. uh, and the linebackers, and um, so many changes on defense, including a new coordinator. Yep. I have no love lost for the previous coordinator, but listen, they were really effective last year with the, you know, the seventy sacks, and hey, it was a good defense. Look, so. if if Howie Roseman is going to spend that money <laughs> and make those acquisitions and those draft picks and create the kind of defense that the Eagles had last season, to a certain degree, Glenn. Just about anybody could be the coordinator and have them perform pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you're right. It's going to be very interesting to see what Desai does differently from Gannon last season because so much, to me, of the success that they had last year was predicated on just really good players playing really well. Yeah. 
215-592-9494. He's Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Looking forward to talking to you on 94WIP. Well, that was last year, of course, uh, before Reese Hoskins injured, got injured in spring training. But maybe, just maybe, maybe we may get a chance Kinda to hoping, hear maybe. that again. We are joined now by our friend from Cooper Bone and Showing, Dr. Mark Pollard. Doc, how are you on this uh, beautiful Saturday after, uh, morning? Excuse me. I'm doing very well, thanks. Hope you guys are good also. We're good, doctor. So Reese Hoskins tore his left ACL back in spring training. And Rob Thompson said the other day that he has begun taking what in baseball terminology is called dry swings, meaning he's swinging a bat without a ball, without making contact. He's not playing pepper. He's not in the batting cage. He's not doing soft toss. He's not doing any of that stuff. He's just dry swinging. Is it at all feasible to think that he can get back this season? And what sort of significance is it that he's swinging a bat without hitting a ball? Like, does does that tell us anything? Um, well, I think it tells us that they're happy with how things are going. I, I think it's a it's a good sign and not a bad sign that he's you know progressing and all of that. Uh, the recovery, recovery from an ACL surgery, you know, of course, we've known and heard of a multitude of athletes who've had ACL tears. And, uh, you know, the getting back and, you know, performing after surgery is highly variable. You know, we've seen uh, both ends of the spectrum. I think Adrian Peterson. Unbelievable. What playing he did. football yeah. very soon. Not you human. Know, Carson, Carson Wentz, of course. You know, I think he was a little over, it was almost a year, I think, um, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, each of these injuries is kind of individual because, you know, it's not just the ACL that gets torn. Oftentimes there's other injuries in the knee, the meniscus, other ligaments and things like that that can totally change the character of the injury and affect the recovery. So um, hopefully the fact that he is, you know, allowed to, you know, advance his activities, uh, you know, doing, you know, running and, uh, you know, swinging the bat, which, you know, swinging the bat is kind of a, a twisting type motion, which can put some strain on the knee. And so if they're confident that he's able to do that, I think that that's a good sign. And uh, you know, going back to the question you were asking, is it feasible that he's going to return this year? Um, I think he had surgery a little under six months ago. Correct. If yes. my math is correct. Um, and so, you know, six months is kind of the uh, considered the earliest under the absolute perfect circumstances where the recovery goes well, the healing goes well, you know, and we've talked before, the, the muscles have to come back and the coordination has to come back as well. And that can be variable from person to person. Uh, so, you know, six months is most of the time thought of as about the absolute earliest. And, you know, sometimes it's more like nine months or a year. So if he's on the very early end of that uh, time frame, then I guess it's not impossible. I think didn't Kyle Schwarber, when he had his ACL, he did his in the beginning of the spring training. And I, I thought he got back. I, I think that like I that. think that is true. And so we will be optimistic. I will just say this, Doc, as we as we uh, leave you for the day, we're entering football season. And that's usually a really busy time for our conversations it is amazing to us that as the eagles open tomorrow there's not a single football issue to discuss on that team 
And that makes us happy. <laughs> That's a good thing. There you go. Doc, Very have a much. great weekend. All right, thanks. You thank, too. Thank, thank you, you so much. Wouldn't it be something to get uh, if if you if they were able to get Hoskins back? That would be bat in the postseason. That would be an emotional boost. I would think yeah. you would have to DH him. Yeah. Yeah, I, you can't yeah. put him in the field. No, and, I, and I know Thompson said he's moving around, he's doing agility work and changing directions, but I'm just you look, can't take the risk. I'm sorry, I'm just looking as a pinch hitter. Yeah, right. Send him up there, Kirk, Kirk Gibson style. There, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, Perry in Royersford has a concern about the Eagles. What do you got, Perry? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, first time, long time. Yeah, thanks, Perry. So my concern, and you guys have talked about a couple of things before, but I'm concerned about their punting and kicking units and the coverages. I like agree. Teams I think is undervalued now, uh, but I still think it's really important. We haven't had great coverage, uh, and you know, there's concern about slip-offs. Yeah, I think that's totally fair, Perry. I think the injuries to the special teams units, the coverage units. Uh, are a concern. I think Sipos as the punter is obviously a concern. Uh, I think in some ways they're they're better off in that Britton Covey turned out to be a pretty good return guy, uh, despite my you know suggestion that yeah. they didn't have anybody to do it last year. He was actually pretty good, and he's back. Uh, and Jake Elliott is fine. But yeah, the other thing you have to take into consideration is that the NFL is changing the rules about kickoffs, so yeah. they're you're going to be able to fair catch kickoffs this year, which if the Eagles and their special teams coach, Michael Clay, are kind of able to use that in the right way, maybe they can cut down on the number of times that they actually have to cover a kickoff uh, because that could turn out to be a problem. Punt returns. Kickoffs really, he'll boom it through the end zone. Right. You don't have kickoff returns, but punt returns are a real problem. They're a thing. And, and the punter, like – they didn't want him. They cut him. They didn't find anybody else. He's back. Here's my solution. You must be feel embarrassed about that whole thing. Don't punt. Don't ever yeah. punt. Hey, just go for it every time. Uh, listen, I know people who really believe that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to get me to. Did you see the one? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm speaking uh, roundabout, but the one that Detroit did the other night. Oh, the the, the fake the, deep in their own territory yeah. like that. Yeah. What were they at the 17 something or the 20? like that? And, and hey. they went for it, and he got it, and he got and it, and they score, and that's you know. So you open that game with punching Kansas City in the mouth. Dan Campbell's got uh, yeah. he's got brass. Ones. It, it's it's one of the contradictions in football that lasted for a long, long time that I'm glad to see change, which is. It is a sport, as you just said, of punching people in the mouth, of aggressiveness, of we're going to stand in the alleyway and beat the snot out of each other. And then for years, coaches would make decisions that were so passive and so conservative because they were afraid to lose the game. And now you see, and let's be honest, the Eagles and Doug Peterson were at the forefront of this. Mm-hmm. You Doug see would do it. going for it all the time in those situations. Good for Dan Campbell. Yeah, you know who didn't go for it? Nick in the Super Bowl, mm. and he had the chance to do it. And that's one where I'm watching the game going, oh, man, I hope this, I'm, they're going to regret this. And they did, and I'm going to think about that one. There were a lot of plays in that game, yeah. you remember, good and bad. Yeah, They went for it a bunch on fourth down in that game, too. They didn't do it that time. time yeah. He chickened out, and that's the time I felt they should have done it. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to talk to Mike Lombardi. Used to hear him on with Angelo all the time. A little bit of a love-hate relationship in this town with the guy, but he's a very smart football analyst. He's got a new book. We'll talk about that and the league. 
Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another long, cold winter rolls in. And the great people at Guided Door and Window can help make your sale, excuse me, help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you can save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guided today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D. Mike Sielski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. I used to hear our next guest a lot when uh, Angelo did the morning show. He was a regular with him, longtime NFL executive, analyst, observer. Uh, he has written a new book called Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL. It is one, oh, let me punch him up here, Mike Lombardi. Nice enough to join us. Uh, how is your Saturday going, Mike? My Saturday is going good. I mean, we got great college football ahead of us, and of course, we got the opening of the NFL season, and what can get better than that, right? Absolutely, it is that time of year. So let us start with this, because the Eagles play in New England tomorrow. They play Belichick. You uh, worked with Belichick. You, you know, we've, I've heard you. We've spoken with you over the years. How much you respect him. He's he's in your book as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Understandably, how does he face? Jalen Hurts tomorrow. Let me put it to you this way. He's Belichick's got a history of being able to take away the other team's best weapon. That's what he does. How do you think he approaches it tomorrow? Well, I, I think it starts with being able to defend the run, and defending the run is not committing more players in the box because when you do that, you then open up the door for A.J. Brown and Smith to make plays down the field. So – You've got to take away the inside part of the field and defend the team inside out in this single, in this what I call a six-back offense, where the quarterback is a legitimate runner in the offense. And so, you've, the teams that have had success against Philadelphia have been able to defend inside out, meaning they've kept their defensive tackles have played well inside, held up against the run, and then been able to set the edge on both sides in the run game and tackle very well when the receivers get the ball. And look, it's a challenge. It's going to be hard. And when I say play well, I think if you can hold Philly to under 24 points, you're doing a hell of a job. Oh, yeah. 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 Mike, to take a step back for a second, what has been different about the Patriots these last few years? I know the easy answer is Tom Brady isn't there anymore. But given the respect that everyone has for Belichick, they're 25 and 25 over the last three years. That's pretty much perfect mediocrity. What's different now other than just saying, okay, Tom Brady isn't there anymore, that, that was working before and isn't now? Well, let's, let's give a little history first, and then we'll get into your answer. Don Shula with Dan Marino, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and Don Shula has the most wins of any NFL coach, went four years without making the playoffs with Marino at quarterback. So there is challenges to winning, and yes, 25 and 25 is mediocre, but when you don't pick very high in the draft, which is the reason 
that why we have the draft in the order we do. And Burt Bell invented it, which I write about in my book. It's difficult. This year they had the 14th pick in the draft. They traded the 16. That was the highest draft pick they've had since the second since his first year when they drafted Richard Seymour. It's hard to acquire blue chip elite talent without having high picks. San Francisco, for example, they get Nick Bosa. Why? Well, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and they ended up with a top five pick. They end up with they drafted Solomon Thomas. They blew that pick because they also had the, the second pick in the draft. So when you have a chance, when you have a losing season, a disaster season like some teams do have, you end up with a blue-chip player, hopefully. New England's never had that disaster season. They've been that typical of an NBA team in the middle of the pack the last three years. They went to the playoffs, Matt Jones' his year. You know, the strike year with Cam, with Cam uh, I thought, was one of his best coaching jobs with Cam Newton, who couldn't throw the ball. Yeah. And then and – then, Last year, you know, they, they did very un-Belichick-like things. They had punts blocked. They made a lot of mistakes with the football in terms of turnovers. So, you know, I, I think a lot of this is coming around. Next year they have $100 million of cap room to go along with a really good young team that have a lot of good young defensive players. So, you know, it is, it is an excuse to answer, but it is the reality of the NFL. Mike uh, Lombardi is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. Uh, let me take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture as it involves the Eagles, which is we all have been hearing through the entire offseason how hard it is for teams, losing teams particularly, to get back to the Super Bowl. It's been X number of years. Why is it so hard? If you have the best roster and you have a coach who has shown he can get to the Super Bowl, why is it that no teams go back after they lose? Well, I mean, the NFL doesn't have Portland State on anybody's schedule. They're every team, no matter how, you know, we think they're no good, they are good. There are strengths to every team. And so every team sees a Super Bowl team coming to their venue or playing against them. They raise their level of play. It's the standard of excellence that you have to match in order to be able to consider yourself a formidable team. And so everybody uses that. So the Eagles will get everybody's A game. They get everybody's A game because that's just part of being good. That's what happens when you become a really good team. You get everybody's A game. And it's hard to repeat. It's hard because the season's so long, right? Nobody really takes this into account how long the season is and how short the offseason is for the players, especially like New England, like Kansas City that constantly go to the playoffs and have these seasons that go into February, go into late January. It's hard. The players are tired. They're exhausted. It's hard to keep their interest level going higher and higher, and that tends to wear on you. And then there is what Pat Riley calls the disease of me. Guys want to get paid when you win, and your locker room's got to stay in sync. And I think Philly's done a good job of keeping their locker room in sync and they've been able to keep their team in sync. That's always the challenge. You know, guys want to make – look, look at, the, look at the Giants. Barkley wanted to get paid. Daniel Jones wants to get paid. They didn't even make they – they, they won in one playoff game. Yep. Mike, you've been open over the years in talking about the importance and your belief in having a strong head coach be the kind of fulcrum and nerve center of a, of a football organization. Have – has what the Eagles have done over the last few years, kind of cycling through these coaches, uh, building a team in a more collaborative way, changed your thinking about that at all? 
You know, I'm not sure it's it's as all collaborative as you might suspect. What the Eagles have done for me has shown me that one of the things that Al Davis believed in, which was the organization will supplement the coach any way we possibly can and make him better. And that the coach can, within the organization, grow and develop. And I think they've done a great job of developing their coaches. I really do. They've given the coach head, the head coach a lot of help. And they've hired a head coach, at least when they first hired Peterson, who was willing to accept help. I mean, last year you got Vic Fangio on the staff as a consultant. It takes a strong guy to be willing to let that happen. Most NFL head coaches don't want anybody from the outside telling them what to do. But I think the collaboration in terms of curiosity and open-mindedness that happens within Philly has really been something I've learned over the years and watching them and living back in the area and observing. You know, the thing also, too, I don't think Jeffrey gets enough credit for this. I worked for him. I was in there. Jeffrey believes in the offensive and the defensive lines. That, that's, he preached that before how he got there. He preached that before anybody, right? He was always about fixing the line. And because the owner sees the game that way, it really helps the general manager. It helps the personnel guy because you know that that's something he deems very important. And that's what great owners need to be able to do is tell the personnel guy, tell the GM what kind of team you want, and then go out and build that kind of team. And I think that's what they've done a great job of. We're talking to Mike Lombardi, former NFL executive and author of the new book, Football Done Right. And, Mike, one of the things that I think our listeners would be interested in in your book is your take, so to speak, on figures who get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and why they get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one of the examples that you use is a figure who is beloved in the Philadelphia area, and that's Dick Vermeil. I'm going to kind of give you the floor uh, to provide us your perspective on Vermeil as a coach and as a Hall of Famer, because I, just from reading that part of your book, I think it's interesting, and I, it seems that you uh, kind of take an issue, so to speak, with Vermeil getting in there before some other guys. Well, I think that's the case. I'm not. This book was never intended to take somebody out of the Hall of Fame, except for the Washington owner George Preston Marshall. That's the, that, <laughs> Yep. That that man doesn't belong in the Fair enough. Game, yeah, absolutely that, right. That's a, that's a whole other story. This was about order, and this was about criteria. And and I believe, and I think Dick Vermeil believes this too, and I've heard him say it, that there are other guys with better winning percentages. There's other guys that have done more with their that, that belong in before him. I'm not trying to get him out of the Hall of Fame. But Marty Scheinheimer won – 200 games. He's the eighth winningest coach in NFL history. There's only nine human beings that call themselves head coaches out of 500 and more that have 200 wins. One of them is Marty Schottenheimer. The other is Dan Reeves. Took two teams to Super Bowls, and they got, they can't get in, and Dick did get in. And I think Dick understands that. And I think what I tried to use is we need a criteria. We need a criteria for how do you get in front of it and how you should automatically get in as opposed to going through an election process. I think that was my point. And, I, and I, look, I think Vermeil got in, Carl Peterson, and he got that done, and it was got the votes that he needed. Remember, it's a voting system, right? It's a voting system. But I think Buddy Parker, who's getting in this year, I think he hasn't been treated fairly. Clark Shaughnessy, who's 
the reason we watch the game today and throw the football is because of Clark Shaughnessy. He can't get in. And some of the great – Mike Holmgren can't get in. Mike Shanahan's not in. They won Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, Shanahan. So that's my point. What's the criteria? Is it just an open forum? Is it just a general election? And I try to clear that up because here's what I do know. When you're selecting players for, for a process, elimination is the number one criteria. And the only way you can eliminate is to have a criteria. Well, it's always done behind closed doors with the puff of smoke coming out at the end. Um, so I, I got to be, I mean, how do you deny Marty Schottenheimer? How do you deny that? I hear you. Well, it's, it's post lack of postseason success is, is, oh, okay. I mean, that is I the answer. Gonna, I knew you were going to say that. Well, I, I going to say that. Of course. But jo- George Allen's in there. He went to one Super Bowl, got beat. Yeah. He only coached X amount of years. You know, he's got a 70% winning percentage. Great. Marty Schottenheimer's got a 61% winning percentage. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's significant. All right, Mike, I really I read this book over the last week. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. You tell a lot of terrific stories in there of your own experiences. You go back and write about people that I barely knew. Uh, and so I really enjoyed it. But I got one nit to pick, and it is the back end of the book is you pick your 100 best players of all time. And you really do go from the beginning of the league to now. There's one eagle in the top 100. It's Reggie White, who you have at number four. I believe it's number four. But no Chuck Bednarik, no Brian Dawkins, no Terrell Owens in the top 100 players? Yeah, I think, well, Terrell Owens almost made the list, i got to be honest. And, and certainly uh, it, was, it was a lot of consider, a lot of guys that almost made the list that you could consider. But when you're dealing with a top 100, I think part of it, too, is I tried to balance it out in terms of bringing some of the players from the past to the present. I didn't put Ray Nitschke in the hall in this top yeah, 100. Right. I didn't put I didn't put Steve. The, the, probably the one. Oh, that Steve I Van Buren. Most, I didn't even mention another Eagle. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the one that I think I, I if all the names you read out, I, I would say Van Buren was 101. And I, you know, I went back and forth. Should he be 99? Should he be 98? I wanted to put Kenny Washington in mm-hmm. at 100. And nobody knows who Kenny Washington yeah, pioneer. is. Nobody, you know, and we would not have football in Los Angeles if it wasn't for Kenny Washington. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. be clear there. So that's why I did it. It's not a disrespect to Philadelphia. It, 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 it's just hard to come up with a 100 list. And, look, I, I love Brian Dawkins. Owens was another player that you can't deny his touchdown to reception production. You can't. But, you know, I wanted to put Sterling Sharp in there because I think Sterling Sharp has been one of the players that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame that's not in there. And so because of that, you know, he gets overlooked. The guy's catch-to-touchdown ratio was incredible. And they say, well, he had a short career. Okay, I get you that. But so did Terrell Owens. So did Tony Baselli. But now you're making rules as we go along? Mike, last one from me. You're obviously a historian of the sport. You know it inside and out. What are the changes that you've seen in pro football that you like the most, so to speak? And what are the ones that you kind of lament where you say, boy, we did it better back 25, 30 years ago? I think we let them play a little bit better. I understand safety is important, but I, I think we've overgone where the game, we've taken some of the special teams out of the game, which I think is important because football is a three-element game. I think that's been – I think to understand football today, you have to look in the past. 
the what the Eagles are doing is really running the single wing with a passing game. And when I would get on the team bus in San Francisco and sit behind Bill Walsh because that was my job, he was doodling Clark Shawnsy plays from the T formation and the single wing. And so when you look for answers, which is what he often would say, don't look forward, look backwards, because the fact that the past becomes the present. And I think we're going to start to see more of that. I truly believe this. I wrote this in Gridiron Genius. We're going back to the single wing. We're going to have two guys at quarterback hmm. that are going to be able to throw the ball and run the ball. We're going to have two of them. That'd be fun in to the see. Back at the same I would time. love, love to. As long as one of us is not Marcus Mariota, I'm good with that. Yeah, well, we're going to have two of them at the same time. Well, that'll be fun. Mike, it's it's a really interesting book. Uh, it, one thing it does is it opens up for a lot of uh, debate and arguments, yep. which, which is what we just did. And that's always <laughs> – when, when you write a book or do a show, that's always a, a good priority. Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and Histories of the NFL by Mike Lombardi. A uh, new book out on the market from – Running press. I wrote books for Running Press. Good stuff. Uh, yep. Hope to have you again, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Tom. Anytime, guys. Thank All right. you. Take care. Well, there you go. You're... My mouse is frozen. Uh-oh. I, go. I got it. Um... He hates stick for meal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, he argued. He's like, I'm not saying Vermeil doesn't belong right. in, but if he does, this guy does. But it is, it is a problem with any Hall of Fame, which is the argument of, well, that guy's in and my guy's better, so he belongs in, which means – you're going with like the, and I'm not saying Vermeil is this, so please mm-hmm. don't interpret it as that. But you're going with like the lowest guy in, everybody better than him should be. Right. In. It's the Phil Rizzuto yeah, there, standard. There you go. Thank you. That works really right. well. Right. And yeah. and and we've discussed this too. My feelings about Halls of Fame are different from most everybody else's in that I think athletes or coaches responsible for a oh, indelible yeah. moment or singular season should get in. Uh, Bill Mazeroski's in the Baseball Hall of Fame because of his career. He should be in the Hall of Fame for the home run that won the 1960 yeah. World Series. Yeah, the Maris argument, the Kirk exactly. Gibson argument. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that Hall of Fame, and actually he, uh, Lombardi talks about this a little in the book. In the book, I think Hall of Fames should be every floor you go to is a better tier of players. There you go. That's not a bad that, idea. That the first floor is like the guy the, is the Mazeroskis. Okay. You know who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Glenn? Hmm. Nick Foles. Nick Foles threw seven well, touchdown passes in a game. His shoes are. His shoes are in the Hall of I, Fame. Ray and I, years ago, took a trip to the Hall of Fame with some listeners. Mm-hmm. And one thing you see is his shoes. And it's not from the Super Bowl. It's from the game against the Raiders. The seven touchdown game. Yeah. I was at that game. But but that's what I'm talking about. These these games or these moments or these seasons, they're so memorable and so outstanding. Yeah. You can't tell the story of the sport without them. I'm, I'm good with that. But how do you feel about my, there should be at least three tiers of the I, Hall of I Fame. I like that very much. The guys who like, you know what, he really had a, a really worthy career. He's in the Hall of Fame. And then the second floor is like all-time franchise great, okay? And then. The, well, then you're going to have arguments about who, what tier a certain guy should great. be Great. Yeah. What, arguments are good. Yeah, I guess so. And then the, the top are you floor be, are, is, is, you know, the Mike Schmidt, Willie Mays, you know, maybe Steve Carlton. Are floor. you going to offend the athletes and people who get inducted? I don't care. Saying, okay. <laughs> I'm only a second-tier Hall of Famer, yeah, darn it's it. okay. I think that would make the Hall of Fame better. All right, this guy's been patient. Let's get to Andy. Andy, thanks for uh, calling. What's on your mind? Hey, guys, always good talking to you. Glenn, sure. it's been a while, but always a pleasure, man. Thank you, my pleasure. Um, I got two two points. One's a cowboy point, and I hope the cowboy fans are listening to this. 
Oh, by the way, I got your dad's back Monday night. Buffalo and 10 points, man. There you go. Without a doubt. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Well done, I Andy. I got your dad's back. Oh, it's um, Monday night. That's good. He can watch it. That's good. Yeah, good. He's, 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 he's great. I, had, I heard him on the interviews, man. Thank he's you. He's the best. My dad but, just, um, uh, hold on, my dad just celebrated his 93rd birthday. God bless him. And we are just, we're, we're my sister came in. They were delighted. Thank you. Go ahead. God bless him. But um, um, we had to fill that void with Hargrave leaving, and I believe that Jalen Carter is going to be a beast. He's bigger than Hargrave. He has a longer arm length. This kid is going to be good against the run, and you're going to see the interior pass rush, who quarterbacks cannot stand. Our interior pass rush is going to be way better than it was last year with, with, the, with the acquisition of Carter and as Davis and him play together. They're going to give they're going to, The defensive ends are going to feast on quarterbacks the way they tie up blockers. And like I said, you, quarterbacks don't like their center sitting on their laps. Okay, that, that's going to be tremendous push in that middle with the acquisition of Jalen Carter. I am so happy we got him. We filled that void. Enough said of that. I'm tired, guys, of hearing ESPN anointing the Cowboys with the best defense in football, not mentioning the Eagles or the 49ers. Must they uh-huh. not remember that they were ranked 29th against a run? They couldn't stop a run to save their life, and I'm going to talk about Micah Parsons. Who did you? That's why. Who did you hear touting yeah. the Cowboys, Andy? Oh, this is I'm retired, guys. So I've been watching ESPN. It's that Dominique dude and uh, all them kiss butts. Well, on that look, 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 let's 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 put it this way, and and thanks uh, we got to so run. We got to go. Man. Thanks for the call. The Cowboys <laughs> move the needle. That's all you have to know yeah. about hearing them talked about on ESPN and Fox Sports and yeah. talk radio. They move the needle. People either love them or hate them. And so people are interested in them. ESPN spent three years talking about Tim Tebow after he was no longer relevant because I watched, I covered Tim Tebow's entire tenure with the Jets. I watched Sal Palantonio right. do stand up after stand up after stand up in Cortland, New York, talking about how Tebow was running the Wildcat in training camp. It yeah. was, it was a scene, man. Yeah. ESPN will do that. They find their story and they do it. And, yeah. and I think you're right. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. And so. They'll talk about the Cowboys. But, Andy, always nice to hear from you. 215-592-9494. We have opened it up. We have covered most of our topics, so we're delighted to speak with you. If you got something good to say? Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Oh. This is the stuff, Glenn Mack now. I love them. This is it. I can remember being in high school or 7th and 8th grade, Uh watching ESPN every night when Chris Berman was actually good at his job Yeah, and doing the highlights with him and Tom Jackson. It was so cool. And this music takes me back. I love that. I love it. All right. So a friend of mine named Larry uh, threw a great question. Okay. Because we're going to look at some of the games that are tomorrow. And he says, who do Philadelphia fans root for in, in the opener between Jonathan Gannon and Josh Harris? <laughs> As Arizona, Washington plays tomorrow, Josh Harris, the carpetbagger, is now the owner of the Washington Commanders. Uh, thank you. And, of course, the uh, late, not, not late, excuse me, former Eagles <laughs> defensive coordinator. Not late. breaking some news there. For, no, no, former Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, is now the head coach of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, where – he has proven himself to be a first-class jack wagon, uh, including coming out this week in an article on in the Athletic. Yeah, where he basically denied responsibility for a lot of the things that we thought he might be guilty of, 
and took credit for some of those we never knew, including being the guy who persuaded uh, Nick Sirianni to give away the play calling. Yeah. My colleague Marcus Hayes and uh, colleague at both at the Inquirer and at WIP. Good column. Wrote a terrific column yeah. about this where Gannon did exactly as you said, Glenn. He took credit for Nick Sirianni turning over the play calling to Shane Steichen, which I guarantee you was surprising to Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen <laughs> because it just didn't happen. Yep. It just didn't happen. To your friend Larry's question about who do you root for uh, between those two teams and those two figures, I think some segment of people will root for the Cardinals because if the Cardinals beat the Commanders, it helps the Eagles in the NFC East. I think if you're just looking at it from a Gannon against Harris standpoint, many more people are going to root for Josh Harris than Jonathan Gannon, I think. I think Gannon is a much more... uh, Disliked figure in Philadelphia than Josh Harris. I may have to put up a quick Twitter poll. I'll put okay. up a 30 minute Twitter poll. All right. You, I, you, you're hedging. You don't I, think so? I, I, yeah, well, it's hard for me to take the Washington is in our division, and so therefore it's more important, and Washington theoretically could make the playoffs, whereas Gannon is just set up to fail there. But if I take all of that out, no, because Josh Harris offends me more. Really? Actually, yeah, because. I cannot abide that he owns one of our franchises, the 76ers, mm-hmm. and also owns the New Jersey Devils, which is a rival of our local hockey team, and now the Washington Commanders, which is a top rival of our football team. It's not right. It's not proper. My, my theory has always been that the fans own the franchise and the owners, the, those guys, the Jeff Lurie's. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery's, all those those guys are uh, J- David uh, John Middleton are the um, stewards. Stewards, yeah, mm-hmm. excellent. That's there's the word, and that this guy, first of all, is a bad steward, and second of all, that he would own these other teams' shows. He's got no loyalty to us. Gannon yeah. Gannon is a mercenary who had a job here and then got another job, and that's the way that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, we expect him to, whether or not we dislike what he did here or whatever. He's doing what he has to do. He's being a boob about it when he says these things that yeah. are untrue. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, like, well, I had nothing to do with the second half of the Super Bowl. That was Slay, not covering. I mean, he did, or Bradbury, who, whichever yeah. one he, you know, set out to dry. But, well, he not only hung Bradbury out to dry on the field. He hung him out to dry after the game, too, yeah. which is my big issue with yep, him. Yep. Stand up there with your players and take the heat, and he didn't do that. Right. He was laughing and thinking about his next job, which right. he had already taken in violation of all the rules and exactly. all of that. Harris fits me. Nah, see, I, I, I look at it more from the standpoint of if you get an owner like a Jeffrey Lurie or an Ed Snyder or a David Montgomery, that's not what it's supposed to be. That, in today's day and age, is a bonus. You're going mm. to see more and more owners like Harris and who just own it because they want to make money with it. And the thing about Harris, is he the greatest owner in the history of Philadelphia sports? Of course not. But it's not as if the Sixers don't have resources to do what they need to do. You can certainly question a whole bunch of their decision-making. You know, the, the Brian Colangelo tenure, some of the decisions they've made lately with respect to James Harden, all of that kind of stuff, I get it. But they've been a competent franchise during the regular season, and Harris has allowed them to do that. 
It ain't great. I'm not saying it's great, but I'll take Josh Harris over Jonathan Gannon. No, I'm, I'm setting up a 30-minute Twitter poll. You want to break the time Is it going to take ben? you 30 yeah. minutes to set Well, the are ball? you allowed to even put Twitter polls up anymore or X polls? I don't know, and they take that away, man. Every radio station in the country because I'm We're not— done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can only—it's vo- going to be you can only vote if you're validated. So to vote, you got to pay the nine bucks a month. It, it's, it's you know, end, it's but. it's hard to imagine that Twitter got worse after. Oh, it just keeps. Elon going. Musk took it over, but it is. Oh, it's, by the day, yeah. yeah, every day. Okay, um, that that's not the topic at hand. Glenn, yeah. I agree with your sentiment on Harris, and I think we can actually have a win-win here. I, I'm rooting for Jonathan Gannon to win. I will be rooting against Washington and Harris more than I'll be rooting against Gannon. There you go. But Gannon's purpose this year, their team is terrible. They're going to lose. Like the purpose is to get Caleb Williams or get into a mm. position to get a great quarterback. Yeah, who who says he may not go? Well, who, yeah, his or dad, or his dad. He can say whatever he wants. Yeah. He's going. Yeah. Um, but if Gannon keeps winning, when his job is kind of to lose to get a high draft pick, then ah. I think we can have a nice win-win. Uh, you just okay. Figured, okay, but that really wasn't the question. The question is who offends you more. The answer is Josh Harris. Yeah. We're, okay. We're talking Schadenfreude. Who do we want to yeah. suffer more? Yeah. Jo- okay. Josh Harris. We'll take his vote. We'll take the win. Thank you very much. It's uh, now up on Twitter. I- we'll I'm ending up on the short end of everything here. You and Ray think the Georgia guys are going to get more sacks. Yeah. You and Ben. Yeah. Think- can I be honest? Yeah. I consulted with Ray before I accepted. Oh, listen. Yeah. The deck is stacked against <laughs> you. And I, no. You and I discussed it, and I said, Ray, I think I may want to do this. This makes sense. Said, oh yeah. Jump on that. The Sealski. forces are Sealski's aligning against dinner. me, Philadelphia. <laughs> he said. No way Sealski's winning that. Uh, Let's go to Aaron in Norristown. Hey, Aaron, what's up? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Hi, Aaron. Hey, I was going to talk about DeAndre Sippin. I just want to vote in. Josh Harris is an easy vote. Like, not only does he own another team, why don't you look at his tenure as owner of the Sixers and the drama that's unfolded underneath his stewardship? It's ridiculous. Hey, you know, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, Aaron. I, I agree with you there's been a lot of drama. The two things I would say to that are this. Number one, in my capacity, both as a sports columnist and now a talk show host, I want drama. I'm the guy who wrote that the Sixers ought to draft Lonzo Ball just so I could deal with his dad and write about his father. <laughs> well, you're, because well, you're they, they, biased. As a, as a sports yeah, fan, right. I, I prefer the drama. I got enough drama in life. I, don't I, I get it. I get it. But the, yeah. the other thing I would say is before Harris bought the team in the final years of the Ed Snyder ownership, the Sixers were completely irrelevant and boring. They were 38 and 44 or 42 and 42. It was, yeah, yeah, you know, I hear you, Michael. And you know what they are right now? To me, irrelevant and a bore. They still are. I mean, second round is their goal. I don't even want to talk about it. Enough time okay. on the second. All right, hold All on. Right. Let me just, before you get to the Eagles, I'm just going to give an update. Uh, with 50 sure. early precincts reporting okay, and 58 votes in, uh, and 23 hours and 58 minutes to go, so we're two minutes into the voting. Okay. You're ahead. You're winning. Ah. Jonathan, the question is, who offends you more? Jonathan Gannon, 67%. Josh Harris, 33%. So. Twitter is speaking. Shots. Shots. They show his mug in the stadium and watch it. Uh, we, we'll, anyway, we'll, we'll see. I think the tide. What do you, yeah, what do you got know. about the Eagles running backs, Aaron? So, anyway, I, I really, the St. Joe prep connection between Jose Zacchaeus and uh, – DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is going to be, in my opinion, the number one running back. Um, we're actually going to the game tomorrow, and and uh, which should, I want to talk to you about that real quick. Oh, too. nice! I think he's, I think he's going to establish himself as the number one running back. They, they did not have a pass catching. They're one of the worst teams. Yes, they were the backfield in in terms of catches, and and I think he's just going to quietly and under the radar 
just become a monster in the Eagles' backfield, take the load off Hurts, uh, hopefully. And uh, looking forward to that. And uh, if I could real quick, if, I don't know if they're going to televise it, but tomorrow there's going to be close to 5,000 Eagles fans, of which, you know, I'll be one, wearing a number nine jersey. So imagine being in New England, and we're supposed to be wearing a Hurts jersey or a Devontae Smith. But, no, you didn't shake his hand, so when you're getting retired. This is, it's Tom Brady's retirement oh, ceremony. That's... And we're all wearing number nine. Oh, that's great. We are, go- we are going to reminisce the Skulls Foles chant during his entire halftime celebration. Oh, that's... We're sitting behind. And, gonna, and I hope they televise it because as they announce him, all you're going to hear is Foles. Foles. I'll be listening. Uh, Aaron, It'll that's brilliant. Have a, gr- have a great time. That is the That's greatest. brilliant. That's and brilliant. You know, who knows? Tom Brady may go in shock as he's walking out to the 50-yard line to be honored by the New England Patriots. Yeah, one of the things that they keep, uh, one of the narratives, and Ray may have even said this, is that, you know, Tom Brady's retirement ceremony is going to really pump him up. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because you're now, how many years after he left there? Oh, gosh, uh, four. All right, so how many players are still in that franchise with whom he played? Not many, if okay. any. Right, a handful. The other guys, the young guys, I mean, they, I'm sure they respect Brady as a legacy, but like they don't care. They're not going to get charged up. They're going to be in a locker room anyway. And, and I'll be very honest here, Glenn, with all due respect, and, I, and usually when someone uses that phrase, yeah, you're something's, about coming. To, something's coming, but I genuinely mean it with respect to Ray and with respect to Mike Lombardi and really to Bill Belichick. Patriots have not been a great football team for going on three years now. And there is an argument to be made, and there are writers up in New England, in the Boston and Providence areas, who are making this argument that Belichick has never adjusted to the new realities of the NFL. That it was one thing to be innovative when you were taking on the Rams in the Super Bowl in 2002 and getting away with what you could get away with uh, with your defensive backs and a defensive strategy and things like that and to exploit the salary cap back then. Everybody's doing those things now. And the belief that he's going to concoct some kind of strategy or scheme to throw the Eagles off is putting an awful lot of faith in Bill Belichick, I think. You know what I'm hearing here? I'm hearing you as Herb Brooks mm. before the game. <laughs> their time is their, done. Their time's been done for four years. They're done. They're right? not the, the Patriots. They're nothing. I, I, it's your. Hold on. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets Patriots. Have. But but it's, it, it, the analogy doesn't work because sure it does. The Patriots aren't the Soviets anymore. Well, that the, neither were the Soviets that night. Not that night, All but right, they were well, leading it, into it. Roll with it. It was it was <laughs> it was good. It was you you were going right there. I figured uh, let's go with it. All right, nicely done. You guys were born to be hockey players. There you go. They should get him in there. Well, her yeah, I do passed, accents, too. But yeah, fairly well. <laughs> uh, 215-592-9494 with Herb Brooks. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. And it is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another long, cold winter rolls in. 
The great people at Guider Door and Window, well, they'll help. They're going to make your window and door replacement project much more affordable. They, they got the buy one, get one half off sale. Here's what it means. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. Now, you can mix and match these savings, whatever your needs are. So let's say you want an entry door, you get that, then you get half off a storm door. Or you buy a patio door and you get 50% off a window. Maybe you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house. Voila, you save 50% off on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation, in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. All right, Mike Sielski, a couple things before we turn it over to our producer, Ben Kenny, and find out what we forgot to talk about. First of all, could you hand me a piece of paper and a pen? I sure. I forgot to do the shtick here, which is the folded piece of paper predicting tomorrow's Eagles score completely accurately. But before I do that, let me tell you, your lead in the impromptu survey continues to widen. The question being, who offends you more, Josh Harris or Jonathan Gannon? We're over 300 votes, and you are currently your choice of Jonathan Gannon, 71 to 29. So I'm Reagan to your Mondale, is what you're saying? Yeah, I guess I'm Mondale, and little little did I know. Anyway, I hold in my hand a folded piece of paper, <laughs> and on this folded piece of paper is the exact final score of tomorrow's Eagles-Patriots season-opening Titanic tilt. Mike Sielski, I ask you to give your prediction and then open the folded piece of paper to reveal the truth. Sure. So, as we've talked about for most of the show, Glenn, I don't... If I were an Eagles fan or the Eagles themselves, I would not fear this game and this iteration of the Patriots uh, in any real way. The idea that Bill Belichick uh, is going to devise something that slows down the Eagles to the point that the Patriots actually pull off this upset seems very remote to me. Uh... The Patriots are who they have been over the last three or four years. That's a straight-up mediocre team. And I think the fact that the Eagles are completely healthy coming into this game is nothing but a good thing. And so I pick the Eagles 27-13. to 27-13, to 13, a two-touchdown victory. Mike, now you can reveal the truth. Glenn Macnow's pick. Eagles twenty eight to seventeen. Yeah, I mean we're really kind of yeah. in the same boat there. We yeah, really are. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a sweat. I, I I respect Ray clearly. I think Mike Lombardi knows a lot about the league. Although putting one eagle in the top one hundred, come on man. Uh, and I know the point spread is whatever four yeah. points, and there are a lot of people. Oh, I'm nervous about this. N- not to pick on Mike Lombardi, but giving Bill Belichick an excuse or a pass for having Cam Newton as his quarterback a couple of years ago. Mm would be easier and better to do if Bill Belichick wasn't the one who signed Cam Newton. Sure. Anyway, I just saying. I just don't think that I think the Eagles are really good and I think the Patriots are not. I think the Patriots are going to come in last in their division for what that's worth. And um you know, I I'm listen, I'm doing the pregame show tomorrow from 1 to 4 and I will be saying this again and again and maybe I'm wrong and Sunday night people can reach out to me and mm-hmm. tell me I'm an idiot. I don't think it's going to be a sweat. And one of the things that I wanted to get in really quick, because I want to give Ben some time, is who's going to be a difference maker 
that wasn't here last year, and I think you and I have the same guy. Oh, I think we absolutely have the same guy. It's the clear-cut choice, and that is the product of St. Joseph's Prep, DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think he's going to, as our previous caller, uh, Aaron, mentioned, catch a ton of passes out of the backfield, give the Eagles a dimension they didn't have there out of the backfield last year. He's going to emerge as kind of their number one back if they have one. He's a really good player. They were smart to pick him up. The clear choice is DeAndre Swift. He contributes a lot tomorrow and through the season. All right, let us go to our producer, Ben Kenny, and find out. Ben, is there anything we forgot to talk about today? Well, yeah, we're we're previewing Eagles-Pats tomorrow. And, you know, it's Tom Brady Day. It's a uh, Smith-Schuster revenge game when he was on the Chiefs and talked all offseason. Forgot about him. Yeah. It's also the Patriots are unveiling this grand new video board. So everyone gets to see Tom Brady's head in, in oh, I don't know, six more 270 feet. feet by 150 feet. Exactly. So you Great. speak of the big things in the matchup. Mm. Is it going to be him jumping on a couch that, in celebration of Hertz or something like that? That is less obnoxious than what they have now at the Cowboys Stadium, which is a hologram of Jerry Jones. Yes. That the you AI. can ask questions and it will answer through AI. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Even Jerry- the AI is Botoxed. <laughs> With with Jerry's whole persona? Oh, yeah. Jerry's voice. I mean, that's the thing about AI, is, which is one of the reasons there's the actor strike. Yes. Not to get into that, but you can recreate somebody in their image and voice just through AI. What else you got? So, uh, as we're speaking, actually, Colorado's playing Nebraska. And you spoke earlier when we're talking Cowboys. ESPN finds their story, and they run with it, and you cannot get enough of it. I, at least, have grown a little bit tired of the relentless Deion Sanders hype. After they beat TCU last Saturday, which mm-hmm. finished after you guys got off the air. It was impressive. It was impressive. They're now 1-0. They're playing Nebraska. It's 0-0, classic Big Ten football. Uh, and the Deion Sanders hype, it's gone past college football. It's everywhere. I hear it on this station. I hear it on ESPN. It, he's gone crazy. He's the number one story. Uh, yeah, a little too much, uh, especially for one game. I can remember when Charlie Weiss, former New England Patriots assistant coach, became the head coach at Notre Dame, and they won their first three or four games, and everybody thought Charlie Weiss was going to outsmart everyone in college football and return Notre Dame to dominance, and that didn't last very long. Well, there you go. One more? Uh, And, well, Trey Turner comes back from the paternity list last night. You mentioned his home run. I I believe he was two for two with a walk, a stolen base. He He did strike out with men on base late in the game. Yes, he did. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he did. I'm just saying he did. He's well, not Roy Hobbs. Are we not Philadelphia? Can we not point out when a player doesn't come through in the clutch? Right, hold on. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say how far we've come that I actually expected him to come through in that I spot. Did, I mm-hmm. did too. I did Which too. is months. I go back to a month ago I and know. no way. No. And I'm being facetious, of course. Uh, I mean, he's been amazing ever since that standing ovation. It's been yeah. remarkable. It, it And, hey, Jack Fritz gets all the credit for all of it. He's the guy who conceived the whole thing. I do believe it helped turn his season around. Uh, and really helped this team. And uh, Jack uh, should get, when they win the World Series, he gets a ring. He's got to be in one of the parade floats. There you go. Well, the Twins also tried to rip off the bat. I know. Last I with Carlos that. Correa, yes. He, he hit a home run. Much. He hit a home run last night. Well, there were 10 people that stood up. Oh, well. It was well. a feeble, a very feeble ovation. I didn't know he was getting booed up there, Carlos Correa. I know he's having a mediocre year, but I didn't know he was. Well, maybe he was just in a slump, and they thought that, you know. Hey, Picking it, your spirits up would help. It's a Philadelphia thing. Again, it's a Jack Fritz thing. I agree with you. You do not rip it off. Uh, Go Birds Radio coming up next. Who we got? Elliot James. and James. Elliot and James. There you go. The, the tandem. Uh, what are you off to? I'm heading directly to Philadelphia Airport. Catch a flight to Boston to cover tomorrow's game. Look forward to reading your coverage tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. I'll be on the pregame tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here.
on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.